When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Happy Players Week, everybody. Brent Morneau, Austin Lane, and Coos back in the studios. We are live at the Players Championship, and we will be all week long. We got a head start on that, actually, on Friday. Had a lot of fun out here Friday, hanging around the 17th hole, and uh, did a little shopping. And now we're ready to go. See, look, we did a little shopping. Uh, Looking good, man. All over the place. We got the beanie a little bit. I mean, we, if we might need the beanie today one more time. I don't know. A little know. chilly. A little uh, chilly for some but, golf. Uh, but. It's all right. It's going to be a beautiful week, it looks like. So we're just hanging out here at the Media Center. We'll be at all different locations. Friday, we're right near 17. This one today, we kind of set up home base right near where home base will be for us in the media. And uh, didn't wander too far because it's close to the public today. So there's not a ton happening here on a Monday. Uh, but uh, obviously, business picks up a bunch tomorrow, Wednesday, and the rest of the week when the tournament starts on Thursday. Unfortunately, Tiger Woods has not changed his mind. And he can't because uh, he had to uh, get in here by Friday at 5 o'clock, obviously not playing. So that will continue to be a little bit of a storyline. Unfortunately, Tiger uh, won't be here. But it's still an unbelievable field. Phil Mickelson uh, here already on the premises. That happened this weekend. He actually showed up at Jim Furyk's event last night. He was taking shots on 17. So uh, it's cool. Uh, here it is. We love this week. I love this week. And uh, get out of the office kind of week all around Jacksonville. If you follow our show, we are out of the office just about all the time. Good. But uh, for everybody else, it's like, oh, I can escape and kind of pretend like I'm working still. It's a business meeting here at the Players' Championship. Uh, year two, covering the players. Year two, covering Your golf it, man. knowledge is now extreme after year one. You'd be surprised. Um, it's really not. I'm still learning. But I'll tell you what, man. It's like you said, like, no, I'm definitely a casual um, observer of golf. I'm a little upset that Tiger Woods yeah. couldn't man up and be here. You know, I'm a little You're the guy that, that is really upset that of Tiger's course. not here. Of course, and I think a lot of people are. But at the same time, I just grubbed on a, a delectable tuna, uh, like a tuna fish, raw tuna kind of salad thing, Brent. Um, so I just ate that at, at the you know at the media center or whatever like that. I guess I needed a wristband. Didn't have one. They didn't care. They said, eh, you're fine. Come on in. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, I mean, hey, if there's a highlight of eating food every day for free, I'm all about it. So I'm also excited to be here at the players for the entire week. That's one thing we always say. And I think that's one of the reasons I really like covering the event. It's not really about, hey, what does the media get? I'm just saying the people really treat you nice. And you see familiar faces yeah. every year. I've been coming here now a dozen years. So uh, you see people that you know and, and people that you like. And, and everybody's friendly. And everybody, you know what the thing about it? Everybody works with the tour, which is home base here. It's a home game for them. So it's one of the times they don't have to be on the road, and they're on the road a lot yep. uh, in the PGA Tour business. And there's also some news of the day with uh, new streaming rights that uh, they are, are working on with ESPN and Disney. Already have relationships with CBS and NBC. So uh, this will be a week where more news will come out because this is their tournament. It's the PGA Tour's tournament, the Players' Championship. It's the Players' Tournament. And so we'll get news like that. we got news Late last night and uh, earlier today, actually something we kind of kept under our belt for a while, Jim Furyk is going to host a Champions Tour event at Timaquana Country Club. That will happen 
in 2021, October of 2021, so it's some 18 months away, but very cool for Jim and Tabitha Furyk to be able to host that, uh, give back to Jacksonville, their foundation, and all the things they've been able to do. Uh, Jim Furyk is a Jacksonville guy now. He's, he's initially a Pennsylvania guy, but he's a Jacksonville guy now, and uh, they continue to give back. That's a pretty cool deal on the Champions Tour now that uh, Furyk will be of age to compete. On the yeah. Champions Tour, I always said I was going. I want to play in the U.S. Open. I'm going to play in the Senior U.S. Open <laughs> when I'm 50 years old. So is that so what it takes? It'd be 50, right? You got to be 50. Okay. I'm not getting there. That was my well, goal. Like when I was like 25, yeah. I was like maybe I'll get good enough at golf and sure. get to like the U.S. Open because you can qualify, you know, all different ways to the U.S. Open. Okay. And so I would just get good enough to play in the U.S. Open when I'm 50. I've got news for myself. It ain't happening. Well, I was going to ask, like, to play like in, like in the Masters, you know, like the older group, do you have to be a former pro, like, at the PJ Tour, or can you somehow just miraculously, you know what, get a late start in life, you hire some people to teach you right, and all of a sudden you're, like, 55 years old, and you're legit, can you just be a Masters then, or not? You cannot do that unless, oh. unless you were to win big. I mean, unless okay. you were to win the right events and be in the World Golf. You know, if okay. you came on late like that, but that's a... That well, would I mean, be an amazing story. That'd be but the a, a U.S. Movie. Open is a one-off thing. Like sure. You can get into the U.S. Open mm-hmm. just by qualifying, local okay. qualifiers, regional qualifiers. So that's the beauty of the U.S. Open. And that means like everybody's got a shot. You know, well, that's, All the golf movies are based basically off the U.S. Open yeah. kind of entry of anybody really can get in if they're good enough to get in. So here's the thing, Brent. You're doing intermittent fasting. All right? It's having crazy benefits on your body. It really is. Um, we, we saw you hit that, you know, that shot on 17 a couple weeks <laughs> back. Does. Closer than probably anyone's going to hit it the whole time here at the Players. My question to you is, could you go out to the PJ Tour Superstore, hit some shots there, and kind of qualify for you to get on the, the whole <laughs> yes, thing? You know? Okay. Hey, because... People like to murmur and people like to talk. So I feel like if you had a couple good shots at the PJ Tour Superstore, someone there knows somebody and word gets out and all of a sudden now you're playing on the tour. I think I'm going to have to play pretty consistent golf. Okay. You well, still have to well, have do it, handicap to okay. get into the U.S. Open qualifying stage. Like Scobie. Sure. Yeah, Scobie's been a guy who's tried to qualify before, but as good a golfer as he is, and he's mm-hmm. a very good golfer, he can go out and shoot 68, 66. Hasn't had a lot of luck in those qualifying rounds, and those are the early stages sure. of it. So it's a very difficult process. Bottom line is there are a lot of good golfers, yeah. especially here in Florida, but there are a lot of good golfers. We think good golf, and you're like, hey, guy shot 75 or 80. Like, I think good golf is 80. If I can shoot 80, that's awesome. And that. I'm happy with it. Yeah. There are so many guys that are really, really good at golf, including this entire field mm-hmm. here at the Players Championship. So uh, we'll talk some golf. What we like to do here is uh, use this as a backdrop. We'll keep you posted on the tournament. But listen, we know we talk football and we talk what's going on in the world of sports. And we're not going to spend three hours talking golf every single day, although this will be our backdrop. Uh, mm-hmm. No different than what we've done when we've been at other places uh, in, in out and about. We're not talking about that event uh, per se, but uh, we, we certainly mention it. And we, we're at where the people are at. Yes, sir. The big events. Yes, sir. That's where we're at. We're Only the biggest events. That's right. Yes. So uh, here we are at the Players' Championship, and it's a cool place to be. Hope to see you uh, next, during the week. By the way, come out. We'll be at different locations, so come find us. Say hello uh, if uh, you can. All right. This is very strange. It's a Monday. <laughs> yeah. And there is no Jan tweeting. I know. There are no, there's no real big news coming from the Jazz. I mean, last Monday we had Jan's tweet yep. that started the day. On Tuesday we had A.J. Boye yeah. break in the middle of our show. It was the gift that kept on giving, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm a little disappointed in you, Jacksonville. <laughs> What's going on, Jaguars? Where's our people, information? People are on vacation, I'm sure, man. People <laughs> people are on vacation with their families right now. What is going on? We yeah. need some help Give here. me some cryptic tweets. Let's go. What's the story? <laughs> we got to make something up. Yeah. Right, we're going to go three hours without you giving us something. Yeah. 
well, there's plenty to talk about. The deadline is looming. It is. We all, you know, one thing I, I thought of yesterday, and I said, this isn't even worth talking about probably, but it hasn't even entered my mind. Like, there is no chance the Jags don't tag Jan, right? You know what? You absolutely have to, Brent, right? And obviously that's not going to make Yannick Ngakwe happy, as it shouldn't. I mean, he's made it pretty blatantly clear that he wants out of Jacksonville. But once again, kind of like I echoed last week a little bit um, during this, you know, the, the, the start of Monday and Tuesday, where if you're Dave Caldwell, if you're Doug Marone, whoever you, know, whoever you are, you have to be in it to win it, okay? And to tag Yannick Ngakwe gives you a better chance to win. Whether, you know, you push him all in and say, hey, you got to play, he doesn't play, then so be it, at least you took a chance on him. Or obviously you tag him and then you trade him away for some draft capital or other players, so be it. But tagging Yannick Ngakwe gives you the best chance to be successful, not only right now, but also in the future. Yeah, I think uh, you're right about Mm -hmm. that. And just from a, like, it does the Jaguars absolutely zero good not to tag him. Of course. Now, what's the, the downside? Well, it's $19 million. That's a big number. The other downside is you might have more drama because now you've pushed, you made your move, and now Jan's, it's now back to Jan's move. Is he going to play? Is he going to stay out? Is he, what's he going to do? And that's going to play out for the next few months. So, like, I get the hesitation, but the bottom line is you really have no leverage otherwise than to use the tag. Mm-hmm. You have to use the tag because you can't let a player, even if you lose Jan to something, you can't just let him walk out the door. That's, that'd be malpractice on part of the organization to do yeah. that. Well, you do you cannot think, do that. You have to trade them and get something yeah, in return. You think you're just going to do the guy a solid and be like, hey, man, you gave us good four years here. You know what? Just get out of here, man. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. It's all water at the bridge. No, that's not how business works. That's not how the NFL works. And at the same time, too, we got to remember, if there's somebody else to tag, then maybe I can make an argument for it, but there's nobody literally else to tag on this no. team right now, Brent. In and terms there of hasn't contracts. Been, really. Yeah, and there really hasn't been. In terms of contracts and things like that, like everybody else is pretty much locked up. Obviously, Clay S. Campbell, Marcel Darius, but, you know, it doesn't make, I mean, you're not going to tag Clay S. Campbell, obviously, because you still have him under a contract. And then with Marcel Darius, you're not going to tag him either. So, literally, the all, and you don't have to tag anybody. Don't get me wrong. I mean, sometimes teams don't opt to tag anybody. But right now, it makes the most sense to obviously tag Yannick Ngakwe. Yeah, and then what, right? I mean, they have until Thursday, by the way, to tag. So that's what looms. And then what happens? Will they be able to trade? Uh, will they just say, hey, we're planning on you. Hope you're here. Mm-hmm. And that goes back into the conversations we already had for the, really, last week a bunch, is how do you plan your defense if you don't know he's going to be there? What What's he going to do? Is it going to cost you a chance? What I think the Jaguars will do is say, hey, we're planning on not having him play, mm-hmm. and we're going to make other plans, whether it's free agency draft and build our pass rushers and build our defense, and it's going to be a bonus if Yannick Ngakwe plays. That's the way yeah. they have to look at it, even though – we already budgeted $19 million for him. He's on the books. Yeah. I think that's the way the coaches have to plan on Yeah, you absolutely have to. You know, I mean, I guess if you want to see a silver line through this whole thing, it's the fact that assume that you do address the situation in the draft, right? And then you do draft not really his successor, but somebody can kind of add depth a little bit. Well, that's fine because it's a defensive line, and you can always have you know a lot more depth on that defensive line. So I'm not upset if the Jaguars a draft defensive end, you know, even early on in the draft, depending on you know who, who falls to them and things like that. Sometimes you get you do what you got to do. But yes, I'd be approaching it like Yannick Ngakwe is not going to play this season. And if he does, that's just an added bonus to you. But once again, you at least have to try, and you try by taking him. All right. Uh, the other thing is a trade possibility. Mm-hmm. Somebody brought up a trade scenario with me last night. I'm going to share it. Because it got me thinking and at least looking it up, 
and I don't know how many others out there maybe have already played the trade scenario card. I haven't really thought that much about it because I didn't think it was that far down the road, and I'm not quite sure it is. Mm -hmm. But I thought this one was pretty good and at least entertaining. And it also will beg the question, well, what is the value? See, in the past we've said, well, what's the value? He's going to get second and a third, second and a fourth. You know, Jags are going to want a first, two firsts. They're going to want that kind of value. Of course. Probably not going to get that kind of value. So you're either going to be dealing with the on drama or you're going to give them away for less. Mm -hmm. But could there be one situation, and I know people are talking about a Seattle deal that, that could be a, that, been that the could rumor. make some sense, right? Mm -hmm. We'll bring that one up, too. But could there be one situation that would make two organizations happy, two players happier, and benefit both teams? Okay. Uh, and would the Jags be willing to do it? Because I feel like they'd have to give up some draft capital along the way to make it happen. But we'll talk about that in a bit. We'll also talk about, right next... The elephant in the room. Oh, man, here we go. Yeah. I'm going to tiptoe around this next topic. <laughs> talk about Austin. There ain't no tiptoeing uh, going Friday around, night. man. Hey, we good. talk about it leading in. We'll talk about it coming out. We don't tiptoe on this show. No, sir. Uh, we'll talk about it coming up next. Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690. Live at the Players' Championship. Hey, welcome back to the Players' Championship. Brent Morton Austin Lane here at TPC Sawgrass, live on ESPN 690. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, it's been kind of a, an interesting day weather-wise. It's been kind of cloudy. I felt some uh, sprinkles, so I wanted to make sure we're underneath here the tent. And now the sun is popping. It's beautiful out. So it's really going to be a beautiful week. Uh, close to the public today. Everything opens up tomorrow. Military Appreciation Night. Of course, we'll talk about the Players' Championship um, at length. Uh, usually you come back in and uh, on a Monday and you, you, you got uh, maybe a little bit of a shiner and some stitches. Say, so what kind of bar fight you get in? Over I know, there? right, man? Uh, Looking like uh, your boy Chris Gaines up in here right now a little bit, man, a little eyeshadow. <laughs> Listen, I'm not mad at it, man, honestly. I think it looks good on me. <laughs> I, I might start rocking a little more. pretty good, man. I, I might start rocking it, man. It makes me look a little more mysterious. Uh, I love the tweet that we got. And uh, by the way, I don't think this tweet was malicious. Uh-oh. Uh, what we got that you answered. Oh, for. oh, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, man, I hate Austin Lost uh, Friday yeah. night. But, yeah. And I really feel bad for Brent. He's going to have to tiptoe around it. Yeah, man. I'm like, well, here's the deal, man. And, again, I don't think he was malicious in it. I think he no, meant no, it. No, no, no. Uh, I think he meant and, well. And I know, what he, I know what he meant, but I don't know enough about it to tiptoe around <laughs> it. Uh, so that's uh, when we were watching the fight at home. Uh, we were like, well, I don't know. Like, I don't – I always have to ask Austin – on the way back uh, after the fight is okay. Did you? Did, sure. Was it the? Was it a bad plan? Was did you make a mistake? Did, yeah. did you give tip your cap? Do you? Uh, you know the way I explain it to people. Uh, you got an, I thought in the early part of that fight, even though you were on your back for some of it, you were doing a really nice job. Even the announcers were saying that. I was yeah. really listening to what they were saying, and yeah, I think you impressed them with your strength and some of the other things. I don't know if you've gone back and watched it. Yeah. But. Uh, but then you got the the elbow to the eye, and yep. there was a lot of blood. And yeah. once there's blood, people start to freak out a little bit, <laughs> even by the officials. Usually. For sure, because listen, it's not me getting hit. Yeah. But I thought they actually stopped it early. Yeah, like, yeah. I did too, and I know you were. I could tell by your reaction in the ring that they stopped it early. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, uh, you look like you're smiling a lot more. I, I told you you could take today if you need another day, but here you are. I know, man. Um, and it's just part of it, man. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. But it is. Uh, uh, there were probably some good moments and not so good for you. Tell us a little bit. Sure, about yeah. It. So a little bit, man, uh, about what happened in that fight. So 
it's kind of um, ironic because it's probably the best I've ever felt actually walking into the fight. Really? Right, because sometimes you're warming up backstage a little bit, you're hitting mitts, you're like, oh, man, I'm a little too nervous, or like I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm using too much energy, my heart rate's too fast. Everything was completely dialed in and on point. So, like, as I'm walking out, man, like, I'm calm, I'm collected, uh, you know, I'm ready to go. Now, I should start the story with this. So, usually how it works is in a fight, you can pick your own song to walk out to, right? Uh, well, I was a little did, curious did, about did you, this. Did, did you hear this? Did they I play heard, this song? Okay, because yes. here's what I thought. I thought, like, <laughs> they just picked the song for you because they're not going to play it over on the like the streaming service, right? Because maybe, like, copyright rules, something like uh, that. Yeah, good so, so, I thought just the people uh, in the, you know, in, in the bomb factory heard the song. So, I'm coming down the aisle, and all of a sudden... <laughs> Lil Nas, Lil Old Town Road, and I'm not sure if you can see or not, but I turned to my coach, I go, this song sucks, and then I'm still walking to the cage, so, like, you know, I kind of got to chuckle out of that a little bit, but, you know, like, I was thinking about coups, obviously, and just that nonsense, That's like, all right. you can't be superstitious. I know, man, I know, man. I know, man, so, like, you know, uh, I'm walking to the cage, and all of a sudden, I'm like, you know what, not a bad song, I'm vibing to it, I'm shaking my head a little bit, so, it was all good from there. Um, you know, and then as far as the fight, we, we get in the cage, you know, and we, we tap hands, get ready to go, and we kind of figured two things are going to happen. Either this guy's a counterpuncher, like I kind of talked about a little bit on the show, so either he's going to be super patient, or he's going to come downhill at me. The fight starts, I see him kind of walk back a little bit, I'm like, alright, this is going to be the super patient guy, kind of what we've been planning for. So the whole goal was to try to stay long, um, you know, move to my left because he's a southpaw, so... Watch out for his power hand, which, you know, I thought I was doing pretty well. Threw a low kick at him. I don't think he liked that that much. Threw the side kick. And then, you know, he kind of caught the kick a little bit and engaged me. Now, when he, when he engaged, he got what we call it underhook. So, basically, he had both his arms under me. One of the worst positions to ever be in, especially when the guy weighs, you know, weighs you by probably 30 pounds. So, I'm like, dang. Okay, so I've been here before. I expect the takedown, and I try to counter it. Um, so, he takes me down. I try to put my feet in to try to counter that, you know, the, the takedown. Unfortunately, couldn't flip him over. He's a big boy. So now I'm on my back, and I have to work from there. And um, well, you kind of mentioned a little bit, I think we talked about during the break, where I had him in this toehold. And the toehold that I hit him with is a toehold that I get a lot. Um, just because I have longer arms, just the way, whatever way I can move, whatever it is, the, the, the toehold is kind of my go-to from my back. So I get the toehold, I get it pretty tight, not as tight as I wanted, but I'm like, okay, just keep on squeezing, squeezing, you're going to hear a pop, and this is what I'm thinking the whole time, mind you, when I have him the toehold. Like, I thought you were about to break yeah. his ankle. So my, like my head is right by his foot, obviously, so I'm like, you're going to hear a pop, it's going to go loose, don't freak out, when, the, when his ankle snaps, stand up, and then punch him in the face because he might not tap out. So that's what I'm doing, I'm trying to squeeze, I'm squeezing, I'm squeezing, I'm waiting for the pop, I'm like, pop, pop, ready, just pop, break, didn't break, I'm like, dang it. So he got out of that, and then from there, man, I was just trying to get back to my feet. Um, obviously, I felt pretty confident where I was even on my back, it's not the most comfortable position to be uh, in. Especially with a guy 30 pounds heavier. Exactly. Although they said in the broadcast, I will tell you, I don't, again, I don't know what you heard of it. But no, I said, haven't yet. They said Austin's comfortable on his yeah. fighting from on his back. I am, I am, yeah. Look it, despite, it was very uncomfortable for me to watch. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> so anyway, so then obviously throws that elbow. I get cut, and immediately I, I know I'm cut because, yeah. I mean, it, it feels like, it almost feels like you have like cold ice water running down your face. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, okay, uh, I guess my eyebrow was cut, but it was fine because it wasn't getting in my eyes, so like that was 
the most ideal situation yeah, of, of the circumstances. Yeah. So now I'm like, okay, well, this isn't good. I'm bleeding. I got to try to stand back up or try to counter something. So I try to attack an arm. He gets the arm out. So I'm like, dang. So I'm, I'm still on my back. I got to make something happen. And in the corner, we have it set up where my, my cornerman, Phil, we call him Big Phil, he's keeping time. Right, so Big Phil goes 50, 50, 50, which means it's halfway through the fight. Okay. Okay. Oh, it's halfway through the round. So I'm like, all right. So I got two minutes and 30 seconds, and I'm listening to Vernon's breathing, the guy that's on top of me. I'm listening to his breathing, and I can see he's really like, <sighs> and I'm like, okay, I'm calm. Collect yourself. We're all good. I'm like, if I have to lose this round, so be it. But I know dang well when I go back this duel for the second round, I'm going to come out all guns a blazing and throw punches because he's going to be pretty winded, and I think I'm in better shape than he is. So right there, I'm like, all right, I'm not going to really, you know, allow him to get off on me anymore, but I'm going to make it sure where I can tie his arms up and everything like that, and I'll be okay. Well, he kind of gets side control a little bit. I put my arm up to block. The ref goes, fight back, fight back. I'm like, well, if I move my left arm, I'm getting punched in the face, and I don't want that, and then the fight was over, you know? So um, I had my wits about me the entire time. Obviously, I'm sure you saw me when I stood up. I had some choice words to say to the ref, and, you know, I mean, and I don't regret saying because at the moment, I was kind of, you know, caught in the moment, obviously. Um, so, I mean, it was nothing personal with me and the ref. Obviously, I was disappointed because I feel like, you know, if I'm in a fight, man, I want to go out my shield. Like, I don't want to show up here on Monday with just six stitches looking like Chris Gaines. I'd rather have, like, a broken nose, you know, like a broken orbital bone and be like, yeah, I got in a fight and I lost, man. It is what it is. So, unfortunately, I didn't get to experience that, man. But um, it is what it is, man. It's what you sign up for. Yeah, I knew when they had the when there's blood, there's always a, a, a quicker call, like, yeah. whether it's a bad or not. Sure. Uh, and I kind of felt the way you did, believe it or not. I'm sitting there watching again. I'm not taking the punches. Yeah. But I'm also, like, I feel my initial reaction was like, I feel like they ended that quick, and yeah. I just don't know enough about it. I haven't watched enough, like, so when is that point? Mm-hmm. And uh, then the other part of me was like, well, I hope he doesn't keep getting punched because I don't want to do Monday show by myself. <laughs> so uh, I, I didn't plan for this. Yeah. Um, well, but- first of all, I'm still glad I still have a job because, I mean, Ryan Davis and Josh Scoby, from what I heard, were killing it. So I'm glad I still have a job here. Yeah, but they can't fight. <laughs> <laughs> Again, li- listen, the end all be all here is yeah. whether it's Vernon Lewis or not. Yeah. We just got to be able to kick everybody else's ass in town. <laughs> All right? So that's for, the sure. Thing. for sure. For <laughs> so, sure. For sure. For sure. And sorry, Scoby, but Scoby and I might lose to some 60-year-olds across the street. <laughs> for uh, sure. So we, we couldn't have that. But, that's interesting you said that, though, uh, because what is too soon? Like, it, it's a yeah. tough call by the, oh, it uh, is, by the official. Yeah, because listen, I mean, he's got a job. He's trying to protect me. All right? And obviously in this sport, it's no lie where you can take some pretty serious damage, especially in terms of head injuries, right? So, you know, the ref was looking out for my best interests, and I understand that. Yeah. You know, I thought I was defending myself pretty well. But once again, I mean, if I just would have stood up right away and not focused on trying to go for so many submissions and the arms and trying to elbow him in the face, well, then maybe it would be a different story, you know? so got some good elbows in yeah, it. That's the thing. Yeah. I thought you had more moments than it will look like coming out of there. Sure. People were like, well, what happened? It's hard to describe it. But yeah, yeah. Uh, as a novice guy, casual guy. Yeah, yeah. I thought you had some good moments in there, and I thought even yeah. the broadcast team said that too. Well, I was cool. shocked that he, you didn't break his ankle. Yeah, like, yeah. Were you? So uh, I was extremely shocked, yeah, because like I said, I mean that is kind of my bread and butter. It's a what do they call it? Like they call it a toehold, basically. Um, so it's a toehold from my from my guard, and yeah, usually I catch everybody with that. Um, kind of like I said, unfortunately. So does it break the toe or the ankle? Oh, uh, it'll break the ankle. It'll break. Yeah, so, so basically, what you do, you grab them by the toe, and then it'll it'll break their ankle eventually if you crank on it hard enough. And like I said, I mean, I was to the point where I was expecting, all right, it's gonna break, it's gonna break. Don't, because I, I don't want to freak out, man. Because yeah. like, man, you, you hear some. 
break sometimes. It can be a, it's like a bunch of twig snapping. So I'm like, all right, it's going to break. And right when it breaks, let go of it, get up, and then punch him in the face. Because, like I said, he's a tough dude. And I, he, he may not have, you know, quit when I break his ankle. So it never got to that point, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things, man, where you live and you learn. You know, and I've had a couple of days not to dwell on it. Obviously, yeah. right after the fight, um, you're, you're mad, right? You're, you're disappointed. Um, you know, you feel like you kind of squashed an opportunity, especially because I had one with the Dana White's Contender Series, and I could tell that they were trying to push me for this fight as well. Yeah. So, you know, sitting back in the room, um, you know, it's definitely a bummer. And it's funny because the way the locker rooms are set up is there's only a, like a, just a a centimeter curve. It's literally just like a piece of cloth separating the red locker room from the blue locker room, right? So I'm in the blue locker room uh, and I'm getting my stitches, and obviously you can hear all the celebrating going on in the red locker room. So like you're going through that, and then to make matters worse, the guy that's doing my stitches was a former Cowboys trainer. So then he, we were talking about Dak. I'm like, I don't know, man. Yeah, Dak's pretty good. Go and pay him. And then and then and then we go on from there. He must have known. Well, he must be watching the show. Well, yeah, I, I guess so, man. Hardcore Dallas Cowboy hitting a analysis and then on top of it dude and this is the worst part uh looking back at it now but he's like yeah we, i used to know some other guy that did mma man he was a defensive end from dallas so i'm like yeah greg hardy he's like yeah have you been watching greg hardy man he's in the ufc now i'm like yeah i know man i fought him so then you know so i'm just getting my stitches oh my burn God. yeah man just, knock that guy oh out. i know right it was a nightmare so then burning comes back man we talk a little bit and obviously he was cool and um, I, I don't remember exactly what the, like, what we shared, but basically he said, I know you're a really proud dude, just want to you know, pay respect. And, um, you know, so we ended there on, on good terms. Obviously, I got nothing but respect for Vernon Lewis. And um, it is what it is, man. But, like, you know, I appreciate the, the outreach and support, and especially from you, too, man, because I, I get it. You don't understand the sport, really, right? Yeah. So, like, to have you reach out, though, man, it really meant a lot. Um, you know, like a lot of my friends, they understand how I am where sometimes it's going to be kind of like, left my own devices Later, for a little yeah, bit yeah, yeah. which but, i get too. no no for sure for sure but i appreciate you reaching out man and dude, it's like i tell people you know and you, people don't gotta feel bad for me honestly because at the end of the day this is what i signed up for yeah yeah right yeah. like i signed a contract and it doesn't say it in the contract but i signed up basically saying you know what this may not go my way uh i may be pretty bummed after but i'll get over it because that's the fight game Okay, like there's a lot of people, man, that they don't sign up for things and they get knocked down, right? Whether it's like, you know, physically or mentally, people get knocked down all the time. They don't sign up for it. So at least from my perspective, man, this is what I signed up for. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take the loss in stride. Obviously, I'll learn my lessons and I'll get back on my feet because it's, it's what I do. Because uh, don't go to break just yet, but let's just keep it here for a couple minutes since we're on this and then we'll uh, we'll let you off it. But I think you bring up a good point. It's interesting. It's like I always said, I just said, well, we had Len Matisse on, right? Sure. Who, uh, hometown guy, we had him on Friday. And if you go Google Len Matisse, you can see about the 17th hole and how he hit it in the water and yeah. had a chance to win his hometown event and, and didn't. Nice high school guy. And, you know, he you live with that stuff, but. I said it Friday, and I say it again, and we actually referred to it with you before the fight. It's like you got to get into the arena. You know, yeah. you got to have guts to get into the arena. I mean, I kind of tell that to my kids a little bit. You you got to want to be there in the seventh inning on the mound or seventh inning with two outs and a guy on second to to win the game. You got to want to be there. Sure. Um, and it's great, and we hear all about the glory side of it, uh, especially when you win or or you get the job done, but. You know, nobody wants to deal with the other side of it, mm-hmm. and it's kind of how you respond. That's kind of how you text me back. Now, it's and, and I think you sent a little message out on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere. Oh yeah, it's how you deal with the adversity of it, which uh, you know now you do it. But how do you do it now? What, what do you, what is next? Yeah. Um, I, I would imagine when you first 
like the when you lose, yeah. is it kind of like, all right, I'm done with this stuff? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. Do you, ever well, get, do you ever get because what they yeah. said in the broadcast, like, hey, he's still young in this game. Sure. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, in football, you'd be old right now. <laughs> I know. I, I, I would have John Fox telling me I'm too old. But yeah. you're still kind of. Uh, I, I think well, especially young, I would say. I don't know if raw is the right word, but yeah. still like uh, still no, have I'm, stuff to listen, learn because I, I, uh, you haven't been doing it since you were 20. You yeah, know? you know, I'm definitely still learning, um, you know, what's next for me now. Like, yeah, obviously after that fight, you start questioning your abilities. I mean, it's human instinct, right? Like something doesn't go your way, and now it's like, well, where did I go wrong? Was it in practice? Was it, you know, did, how, how, how did I choke and stuff like that? So you start second-guessing all your preparation and everything like that, you know? And then all of a sudden you talk to your team, and that's why they're your team, right, because they have your back. And then your team kind of, you know, they, they put that positive reinforcement that you so desperately need to hear right after, you know, a loss where it's like, all right, it's not the end of the world, you know, let's learn from this, let's grow. Because at the end of the day, what has happened has happened. Okay, yeah. I can't go back in time and change what happened with Vernon Lewis. It, it is what it is, you know. So either I, I sit here and I mope and I feel bad for myself or I make the correct adjustments, you know, where maybe I switch up something in my grappling. Maybe I change something here or there and it doesn't happen again, you know. So it's it's only going to be a loss, man, if I don't learn something from it. Yeah, so yeah. so the, the, I'm taking the learning lessons, obviously, and I'm going to keep on um, doing this journey, the, the, this, this journey of MMA because I like the person that I am when I do it. Um, I think it's made me a better person overall. Um, I love the brotherhood. I love the camaraderie that comes with it, you know. And I always say I love the life lessons that come with MMA too, the good and bad, yeah. you know. And I've only been doing it now for like what three or four years, but I can honestly say I probably learned more life lessons in those three or four years <laughs> than I have playing football for. I mean, man, like the past 20 years. That's pretty so, wild. Yeah. Well, I think you're freaking crazy. But uh, it's pretty safe <laughs> oh, right here. This is a safe arena. I, did, uh, I appreciate um, it. <laughs> it's so funny, actually, like we're watching the fight. And yeah, like, yeah. You know, we tried to get a watch party together and stuff. We couldn't. Some of the folks from uh, the radio station did, and my dad was in town, cool. so we kind of stayed at home, watched it, and got it. And so uh, my, Steph and, and my dad are like, why does he do this? Yeah. Like, they're like, why does he do this? Yeah. <laughs> and that's like everybody's initial reaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Your mom's probably. Re- Oh, Maybe trust me. My, yeah, yeah. I, I think Why a, do you do this? a lot of people ask me that, man. And l- listen, I, I wish I, I had a, you know, just a, a set in stone reason for why I love to do it so much. Because I'll be honest with you, man. Um, you know, getting punched in the face and things like that, I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't love it, right? Because I don't have to do MMA, all right? I don't have to do cage fighting. I can apply my energy, my time, my effort to anything, and I have the confidence in myself that I'll be successful no matter what I do. So it's not that I, I, you know, that I want to do it. It's that I need to do it, all right? There's something about just, you know, planning for an opponent, um, you know, kind of those nerves walking into the cage, you know, and just being, you know, dealing with that stress and overcoming the adversity. It's just, it's all that stuff rolled into one, man. And it's like I said, I mean, you find out so much about yourself in the sport where um, I cannot see myself not doing it. So. Yeah. How are you at sales? We could, I mean, if you want to. Not as good. Not as good. If you, if, you, if you thought the last fight went bad, wait till you see me in sales trying to sell stuff to people on the phone. It's going to be horrible. Right, the good news is I think you're in a really good mental spot for it. So uh, yeah. I, I, I'm, that's cool uh, because, again, you never know. I mean, that's a lot of work to go into it. And, and uh, good luck in the next one as you bounce back. Will do. And I uh, get a little free time first. Go party for a little bit. <laughs> Uh, I hope. All right, Josh says, by the way, first, I think Austin's fight was called too quickly. Yeah. I agree with him, and I think Austin sh- certainly did. I'm curious how people feel about the range of heavy weight class. 20-pound difference between fighters feels like a lot. Randy even says that dude was like 30 pounds heavier than Austin. Sure. And by the way, it was like 20 pounds. Like, you weighed in at 246. He went in at, I think, 265, but that was at weigh-in. Oh, yeah. And so, so by he, the time you yeah, fight, he more. probably had like 15 Big Macs yeah. and is now up to like... <laughs> 
275. He yeah. probably, and you don't, you don't gain weight like no, that. No, 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 I don't, so I don't. He seriously probably had 30 pounds on sure. you. Sure. And, and now, that's a great question by these guys, Josh and Randy yeah. on social media, because I had a similar one. You watch, we both thought Wilder was going to win that fight. Correct. Fury wins the fight, and I couldn't help but notice the amount of <laughs> the amount of weight difference. Yeah. I thought played a huge factor because he leaned on him. Sure. Well, no doubt in your fight the other night, it was tougher to get out from underneath that sure. once even the way even if you're comfortable there. Sure. Because he's got thirty pounds on you. Sure. So, so I mean, it, it, I mean the, the crazy thing is I can't even spit it out yeah. is that I could fight in heavyweight at two oh six. Yeah, good if you wanted I mean, to. That is, can you imagine if I had to fight that guy? <laughs> Like, it's one thing if I have to fight you, that's even I worse. gouge, Brent. I gouge, dude. <laughs> I mean, so how, they have a great question. Like, No, it's, how it, is, it's a legitimate question. How is that? Like, I, I'm not saying it's unfair. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just saying it feels like there's such an advantage. Sure. Uh, as long as the guy isn't like a walking pile of goo. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. this is Randy that asked the question? Just uh, so I can, Randy know and Josh. Yeah. Okay, so Randy and Josh. Yeah, so, I mean, great question. Listen, and so <laughs> and Brent Martineau as well. So listen, there's always going to be a trade-off, right? Where if you do have the size and advantage, like you know my opponent did, there's going to be a trade-off. And what that trade-off was was the cardio. So say I don't get taken down, we go a full round. Well, then I have to feel confident going to the second round that my cardio is going to push through his cardio, right? And that was kind of what I was expecting um, to go into the round with. So like if you look at the past UFC champions or even really the current UFC champion right now in Stipe Miocic. The average UFC champion of a heavyweight is probably like around the 230 to 240 range, okay. right? Now keep in mind, it's just like, you know, pro fighting where you can weigh as much as 265. But then it comes to the question where how much cardio you have. So some of the best heavyweight UFC champions have also had some of the best cardio, obviously, in that weight class. So you've got guys like Kane Velasquez, um, you know, Stipe Miocic. Those guys, you know, they're, they're not the most muscular type of dudes, but they weigh in around 230, 240. And that, that gives them enough strength to obviously get out of bad positions, but it gives them enough cardio to go around to go with five rounds if they truly have to. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I get that. I understand that. Uh, uh, one la- last question. In high, or is it too soon to know? No, Should you, you have um, the first kick to the shins, yeah. you said uh, he didn't like that. Second kick that he caught, yeah. was that? Uh, not a good move? Was it a good move by him? So or was it not a good kick? I mean, what, okay, okay. What so, went down? so there was a sidekick, right? So usually the sidekick is also my bread and butter, um, especially the way he's, he's set up where he's a southpaw, right? So I'm aiming for the liver. So if it connects clean in the liver, that's going to do some damage to him. Yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't land clean. He catches it, and then he closes distance. So ideally, what I probably should have done was set it up a little more, right? Because I kind of telegraphed it where he kind of saw it coming. Cause and he probably knows that's a ex- good move. Exactly, exactly. So so obviously, what I would want to probably do if in retrospect now is go back. I'd probably want to throw some punches first and then set up the, the sidekick from there. I got you. Yeah. Uh, see, we're learning. We're yeah, learning man, absolutely. Uh, about the MMA. Um, well, uh, we'll get after it the next one. You know what's cool about the MMA, at least uh, at that level, at your level right sure. now. You got some cool story. I mean, here you are hosting a radio show every day. He's a, I don't know if a state trooper or a, or a police officer yeah. in Dallas. Yeah, so from what my understanding was, he's a police officer in Dallas. I don't I don't really know too much about his background or anything like that. But, yeah, I guess he's a police officer, which is obviously a very righteous thing to be. So, yeah. I mean, more props to him for that as well. Um, interesting. All right, uh, so there it is, uh, the uh, fight that we did not tiptoe around. Oh, no, man, we went right through that thing. In fact, you tried to break the toe. Not mine, but uh, <laughs> his. Uh, all right, when we come back, we talk football. That's our bread and butter. And uh, I've got some things to talk about with the Jags. Free agency on the horizon. How do we see this next week or so playing out? It's a critical 10 days. So thought on that, and then at the top of the hour, a trade proposal for you. Or two. 
any chance. And, of course, it involves Yannick Ngakwe. That's coming up live from the Players' Championship Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Now gorgeous out here at TPC Sawgrass. Close to the public today. We'll open tomorrow. Military appreciation tomorrow. And then we play some golf here on a Thursday. Not we, but they. Uh, stay with us. Appreciate you hanging out on a Monday. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. <laughs> Mike Golick Jr. Strong on the Dak Go Prescott on there, Mike. Uh, I don't know, man. It just seems like so much. I have a hard time categorizing this stuff with the contracts. Mm-hmm. Because i can be honest with you. Ring that bell for, for Dak Prescott. He has been so much better than I ever thought. I was so wrong on him. Yet I still feel like the sound of $33 million a season for Dak Prescott feels risky to me if I'm trying to win a Super Bowl. And yeah. I understand it's a cost of doing business. Believe me, here's a guy over here that said, hey, Blake Bortles at $18 million is kind of like average dollars. I mean, and it was. but And that sounded weird, too. But it was. That's just the cost of the quarterback position. So I get it. But it just, I'm, if you're trying to win a Super Bowl, which is what Dallas is trying to do, heck, they're trying to win a playoff game. And I'm just not that convinced to Dak Prescott uh, that he'll be able to do it, but I also don't know if you have a better option. Let me ask you this real quick on Dak. This this kind of tells a story. If you can, if you can sign Dak, mm-hmm. which they're trying to do, and I think they will do, for five years, or you could get Brady for the next two, what would you do? Because the dollars are similar. Yeah. Man, I mean, obviously you want a guy like Brady in that locker room, right, because he offers so much more than just his on-the-field play. But I'm still playing the long game, Brent. If I'm playing the long game and I'm building for the future, I'm going with Dak Prescott. I mean, Jerry you know? Jones no spring chicken here. <laughs> no, and listen, while. And, and, and I'm sure Jerry <laughs> Jones wants to win more than anybody. But I'm, I'm still going with Dak Prescott. And not only because I think he's got obviously a lot more years ahead of him than Tom Brady does, but Dak Prescott's the guy that you drafted. You know, and it's like I always say, Brent, sometimes it's not about what the money is, it's what the money says. And if you pay Dak Prescott, what does he want? He wants 30-something million dollars a year? 33, I think it is. $33 million dollars a year. Well, no, okay. no, that's what they're offering. I think he wants more than that. I think oh, he's yeah, up around 35-plus. Yeah. 35-plus, yeah. So, I mean, essentially it can make him the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL, and I get it every single year. You know, It inflates a little bit, but I look at the Los Angeles Rams, and I look at Jared Goff, you know, making an average of 33, almost $34 million a year, all right? And you had to give him that money because you know why? He went to the Super Bowl, yep. okay? And it's hard not to justify paying your, the leader of your team, the field general, the quarterback, the double standard, if they take you to the Super Bowl. So is Jared Goff going to be worth that much money? Who knows, man, but you have to pay him that because that's just what the principles say. Now, uh, I get it. That, that is the status quo, and, and sometimes I think to be successful, you have to win the status quo. But I just think with what Dak Prescott's been able to do, the situation that he had to come into with Tony Romo getting hurt, he comes in right away, earns the respect of the locker room, I feel like you have to take care of that guy. You just have to. I guess my point is, though, there's so many quarterbacks out there right now. So you can pick your your threshold. You can go, hey, we can invest in Teddy Bridgewater for X amount of money. Mm -hmm. We can invest in so-and-so for a couple years for this amount of money. We could give it to Dak, but he's asking for the world because he's really exceeded where we drafted him. So he has the right to do that. Mm -hmm. Or we could go get this guy or at least get in the game of a guy with Tom Brady and say, you know what, we're going to go win right now. We got Ezekiel, and we're paying him a fortune, mm-hmm. and that's only going to last for two two more years. Probably he's a running back. Sure. We have Amari Cooper. We have this offensive line that's good for a guy like Brady. We have some pieces on defense. We think mm-hmm. so. We think we're really good. 
Well, and I mean, keep mind, you, think you, about you, that? you have one of the best offensive lines when healthy in the NFL, what, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. I mean, wouldn't you think? I mean, I would, wouldn't you have to think if you Jerry Jones uh, trying to get I mean, that game? I mean, of course you're going to ponder it, Brennan. I mean, it's, it's Tom Brady, okay? It's the GOAT. You're, all, you're always going to ponder that. But I'm just saying from the whole locker room dynamics, from that perspective, from the other guys that you know he shares a locker room with and Dak Prescott, you got to ask yourself, what are they going to think about the whole thing? Okay. And, and, Here's what and, and, and I get it. Yeah. Well, we, we got Tom Brady coming <laughs> we got down. Tom Brady. Yeah. Yeah. I, Brent, I, I'm be honest with you, man. I, Come on. I, I told you this before. This yeah. is one thing about that that we got to stop doing in in the NFL. I think, if especially if you're a team that hasn't been successful, mm-hmm. we have got to stop worrying about the feelings of a quarterback like they're a 14 year old girl. But it's not about the feelings of the quarterback, Brent. <laughs> it's worrying about the feelings of the entire locker room. I get it's, it. It's worrying about the culture of the locker. But but. The, that's what my point is, though. There, you can't worry about that if it means it's a better option in winning. You know, I, I just don't think you can worry about it, and uh, unless you have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Tom, you know, here's the deal. Out in Denver, and this is going to be a, probably a bad example, but this is the closest I can come to right off the top of my head. Out in Denver, they had Tebow. Mm-hmm. Tebow, obviously, the fans called for him. Kyle Orton was there at the time, I think, and Tebow comes in. And he has this magical run, right? And, and they go to the playoffs and all this stuff. Well, you know what helped calm anybody that said, I still believe in Tebow. I still believe in Tebow, even though Denver no longer really did, or might have never, mm-hmm. quite frankly. They got Peyton Manning. And so Peyton Manning was like, hey, it's Peyton Manning. Oh, yeah, nobody worried about Tim Tebow anymore. That's, You're right, though. You know that, that's I mean? a fantastic so, point. like, Tom Brady is the ultimate. Hey, we got Tom Brady. Sure. Uh, we can do anything we want. If you want to release Ezekiel Elliott, you could re- release him because you know what? We have Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. You know that's my point in that situation. So, uh, by the way, I have not seen this at all. I don't even know if those are whispers in Dallas. This just kind of came up because Mike Golick Jr. Uh, talked about it. But it just got me thinking. It's like if you're in one of those positions with all these quarterbacks out there, and you are in the market to sign your own, but you're a little hesitant on giving them Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson kind of money. Mm-hmm. Well, could Tom Brady for the same amount of dollars and possibly even a little bit less? So here's the thing, though, with Tom Brady. How many how many years do you think Tom Brady realistically has left? Well, I think you would have to go into it thinking I've got two years to win okay. with Tom Brady. So you have and, two. and by the way, you, you're rolling the dice on that, too. He's Correct. 44 years old. Correct. So All right, so let's analyze this, then. You have two years to win with Tom Brady. Well, you have a brand-new coaching staff this year for the Dallas Cowboys. You have a brand-new offensive philosophy that the whole team has to learn. You have the head coach, Mike McCarthy, who's new to the whole culture thing. So do you really expect a first-year coach to come in right away like Mike McCarthy and turn everything around, even even if you do have Tom Brady like that in one year? I, well, I have a hard time coming along with you on that one if you do. That's fine, but do you think Jerry Jones hired him to not do well in 2020? No, of course, <laughs> hey, of course Jerry Jones expects to win. I get that, Brent. But I'm trying to think of a time where a first-year head coach came in, turned the whole thing around right away, and went to the Super Bowl and won it. Yeah, I, I, it's fair. Yeah. Um, and, and this so then is a, a building block. So then essentially you have one more year then with Tom Brady to try to win the Super Bowl. You would. That's a pretty big gamble. Yeah, you get a two-year window. Yeah, that's uh, a pretty big gamble. But let me t- let me say this though, what Mike McCarthy's window might be three years anyway. I mean, it's the NFL. Sure. If he doesn't win big in three years, he's out the door anyway. Sure. No, I, I completely agree with you, and I get it, man. He, he's changed his whole philosophy around. He's adding more analytics and all this stuff. But keep in mind, Mike McCarthy had one of the best quarterbacks in the entire NFL, Aaron Rodgers. Still only one only went to the only went yep. to the one Super Bowl. 
Uh, all right, uh, I got sidetracked there. But it was a fun topic. <laughs> Well, I can't wait for this trade. We've got this big trade coming up. I'm just foaming at the mouth to talk about. You know what I love? I didn't even put two and two together. What's that? But I just spent a whole segment talking about what that guy's giving you stitches was asking you about. <laughs> didn't even think about it like no, that. No, that's all good, Sorry, man. that was not intentional. I had this exact conversation. I'm not trying to get in your head. I had this exact conversation literally three nights ago. I appreciate it, though, Brent. <laughs> at least this time you had, like, coffee little, little, instead little of being knocked out. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Not knocked out. But no. <laughs> all right. Uh, when we come back, we will talk Jags. What are they going to do the next 10 days? And I've got some trade proposals for you. Do you like any of them? That's next on ESPN 690, live from the Players' Championship. Tags, you've got CBA, you've got a new union president, you've got an unprecedented quarterback class, you're going to get trades, you're going to get... A, 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 when the CBA, when we have clarity, one way or another, whether there is or isn't a CBA, you're going to see teams make a flurry of moves to release contracts that they don't want. You're going to see teams sign players that aren't... It's, I'm just telling you, the next two weeks, buckle up. Well, yeah, the next couple of weeks, buckle up, absolutely, and all across the NFL. But here in Jacksonville, too, it's going to be highly entertaining to see what the Jacksonville Jaguars do. It's actually a fun time of year with free agency uh, that is about to hit, and that will the league year starts March 18th, so that's mm-hmm. next Wednesday. So we're talking about a 10-day period. Legal tampering begins on the 16th, which is Monday. Now, before that is the tag day. And the deadline, which the Jags will heavily be invested in and a part of it, we think, and that is uh, on Thursday of this week. So we've got some critical dates coming up, and that's just a few of the things that could happen. By the way, uh, Schefter acknowledging and talking about the whole CBA, mm-hmm. which the players have voted to extend. Uh, and a quick thought on that. We won't get deep into that. But I put my house on this that it wouldn't happen. <laughs> I think all the way the talk is happening a little bit. Yeah. I'm starting to feel like maybe it could happen. I'm yeah. not sure it will, but it could happen that they vote yes. Even the owners now come out with some great leveraging negotiations, say, "Hey, there's some owners that are mad. They want to go 18 games." That is a beautiful for, drop by the by the owners uh, during this period. First of all, Roger Goodell should find the owners for insulting my tele- intelligence. Because do you really mean I'm going to believe the fact that there's owners right now that are on the, not on the same page? There's billionaires out there, Brent, right now that are not in the same page of how things are going to go down. And all of a sudden, there's some owners that are like, "Oh no, you know what? This deal, I want to go back on." No, come on, this is all just for optics. It's all just for trying to sell it, and it's trying to make the players believe. Oh wow! Like, do you think players right now are just like, "Well, I guess if the owners don't like it, then we should probably like it, right?" Because this seems right. No, it doesn't work like that at all. So from from the whole rumor saying owners aren't happy with the new agreement that they put together, no. Go ahead and find them because they're insulting my intelligence. But I also think some of the uh, other stuff, not that, but the other stuff that's kind of leaning toward, hey, players might like this. Players think this could be. I think there have been concessions from the owners. I think the players are getting more on the outset of this than maybe we've seen in recent memory on these kind of deals. That doesn't mean it's it's everything. doesn't mean it's the right deal to take. I, I, I don't know that. But I just feel like the players must be feeling something halfway decent sure. about this, to get to this point and having the internal debate they're happening, having. Part of the internal debate when in the CBA is lack of knowledge. Players just aren't going to take the time to look at it all and say, hey, give me my money now, I want to play now, I have a chance to make money. That's part of it, we've talked about it. But I do think like there are some sincere good things happening for the players on the CBA side of it, on the, on the NFLPA side of it. Um, in this deal. Now, how far it gets down the road, that 17 game, is it a sticking point? All those things are very much still in play. But again, when we did this two, three weeks ago, I said, I put my house on it, that doesn't get done. <laughs> yeah. I'm not as confident in that. 
And trust me, man, I'm 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 worried for you, okay? Because I don't I don't have room for you right now. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm telling my wife to get the guest bedroom ready Listen. because we got four Martinos moving in with us. But so but how do you think I feel? My house, give my house away <laughs> and the stock market right now. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a bad month for Brent. All right. Brent's going to move into my garage then, man. We can just do the show from there. So listen, in terms of the CBA and the way it's set up right now, and listen, all we have to go off of is obviously is what we see on social media, and we can assume that it's pretty accurate. But I think what the CBA did a good job of doing, you know, this is kind of in the owner's favor a little bit, but if you read through it, which obviously I have, um, a lot of players get benefited, okay? Former players get some benefits. The, the top-level players get benefits. The guys that are trying to, you know, make the roster bubble, they get some more benefits. So, really, the CBA, it benefits everybody, yeah. right? So, you have old guys coming on saying, you know what? Not that bad. You have some star, and I'm not saying every star, but there's some stars out there saying, you know what? Not bad. And you have some guys that are just kind of like the basic run-of-the-mill, trying to make a, you know the roster kind of guys. They're saying, you know what? Not bad. So, But will they when, say, we'll take it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you have all these different types of you know guys saying it's not that bad. But here's the thing, Brent. Okay, and, and, and I guess it's the same problem that I had, or that we had, I should say, back in going in 2011 and the, the last CBA when it got finished. But... There's a lot more players than there are owners, okay? And it's so hard, even in the social media age, even with the way that we communicate now, it's hard to get the players on the exact same page. If I was a player right now, Brent, you know, and I know what I know, and I read that CBA, and I see what percentage of the pie the, the NFL ownership is willing to give up to, to reimburse me, that's all I would have to see. Okay, take the take the medical marijuana out of it. Take uh, you know the extra ga- extra pay for extra games. Take that out of it. Take cutting OTAs out. No, to me it comes down to money, and that's what it should always come down to first and foremost. And when I say it comes down to the money, it comes down to how much of the pie, how much of the NFL that you're sacrificing your bodies for, that you're putting your health on the line every single time you step out on that field. How much are you getting compensated for that? And when I saw the number, which is, I think, 47, 47.5 and then 48, if I'm not mistaken, when I see those numbers, I think to myself, that's not enough. I need 49. I need 49.5. Yes, I, I don't want to get officially half and half, but I want to get as close as possible. So that's all I would have to see as a player. No matter if I'm you know, one of the top players in the league or I'm a bottom guy, that's all I would have to see to know, you know what? No deal. Raise the percentage increase. Interesting. Uh, all right. So we'll keep an eye on uh, the CBA and what happens that. But it looks like that vote's been extended now, so we might not know uh, for a little bit longer uh, what the players decide to do. Let's see what the Jags are going to do. I said a little bit ago, the next 10 days, we think they're going to tag Yannick Ngakwe, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Done deal. Yep. Have to do it. No break. Uh, that thing will happen. Then we go into free agency. How active will the Jags be in free agency next week? Uh, with a little bit of money to play with, uh, you know, right now, depend. I see one other thing before we get to free agency. I think talks now this week are heating up between Calais and the Jags uh, of what they want to do. And I'm talking about messaging. I'm not talking about negotiations because right now there's nothing to negotiate. Uh, Calais Campbell's a member of the Jaguars and he's under contract in 2020. But if the Jags want to move on something like that, dialogue about, hey, would you guys be willing to do something? Here's how we see him. Uh, Calais, scouting it out. Will I be able to get $15 million somewhere else? Can I get 12 What's the right way to go here? Go back to the open market, maybe take a little bit of a cut, or maybe the Jags and them say, you know what, we love you here, man. We moved some dollars around. We traded yeah. A.J. Boye. We got enough. 
uh, and uh, you're going to be a, a guy that we want to keep. So all those things, I think those conversations are starting to heat up, and this is the week for that to happen because the Jags need to know how much money they have to play with uh, pretty much by the weekend. And let's just say they have somewhere between 30 and $40 million. Got to save some of that uh, for the draft. Uh, and by the way, Marquise Lee, Jeff Swaim, those are some moves. So I, I think they'll have even more than that. Uh, but how active do you see them being now that you know Boyer's gone, uh, the, the, the questions with Ngakwe, uh, will they go after a high-priced guy, a, a big fish on the open market? Yeah, so you know you know what it comes down to me, Brent, and it comes down to the one position where, to me right now, you cannot fix it in the NFL draft, okay? And it comes down to the one position that's kind of been your Achilles heel, it seems like, the past couple years, and that position is tight end. I think that if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars and you try to make a splash, you try to help out your future in Gardner Minshew, you go after a tight end. Now, problem is, how many are available? Right? We know Austin Hooper will be available. Yep. We're not sure. Said they're they're going to make him available. We're not sure about Hunter Henry yet. You know, uh, there's you know, some reports about a yeah. tag on Henry. And obviously, I'm a big. We'll know by Thursday. Yeah, we'll know by Thursday. I'm a big Hunter Henry kind of guy. And I guess here here kind of comes the problem because I just read an article during the break about the New England Patriots pursuing a tight end as well. So if you're Austin Hooper. You have the Patriots more than likely courting you. You have the Jacksonville Jaguars courting you. Or Chicago's in the mix. Chicago as well, but let's be honest. What, what team are you going to go to probably more than anybody? Depending well, it kind of if, depends where Brady is. So Exactly. Well, I mean, that's a good point, too, as well. But my point is this, Brent. You may have to overpay for somebody, especially at the tight end position, because right now what we know, there's not a lot to go around. Obviously, if Hunter Henry, who is my top pick to get in free agency, if he gets tagged, then I have to go with Austin Hooper, who I think is the second best available guy, or maybe Eric Ebron as well, but I'll probably go a little more Hooper than Ebron right now. The point is, you may have to overpay for somebody, and that's just, it is what it is, because once again, you can't rely on the draft this year to go out and get somebody to change your offense around in one year, because history has shown us that when you draft tight ends, nine times out of ten, when they come in, they don't change your scheme right away. Absolutely, we agree on that. Listen, they like James O'Shaughnessy. Uh, I'm just talking about par. I'm not saying, hey, to go to the Pro Bowl. They they have expectation for Josh Oliver, but they have to get something else, at least one, if not two, if not just one in free agency, one in the draft, whatever it might be. They need, to me, they need to have four guys that they're really having the mix. They can't take that position off, and they can't take it lightly. They have to get better there, uh, no doubt. I like the Eric Ebron part of it because I'm not getting in a bidding war. The Jags don't have $100 million to spend, $80 million to spend, $60 million to spend. I'm not getting in the bidding wars for a guy who's been injured before or Hunter Henry or something like that. I think Ebron is a guy. Listen, you got to roll the dice. Free agency is rolling the dice. I think one like Ebron can can get you in whatever the dollars are, but not like overpaying by $3 million a year or getting into an uncomfortable contract, uncomfortable spot. They have to probably now go after a veteran corner of some kind. They don't want to go in the draft empty-handed mm-hmm. without, obviously, Ramsey and now Boye. I would think they also will go after a pass rusher of some sort Interesting. to fill in a void that they might not want to pigeonhole themselves in the draft, and maybe even as a little bit of a tactic to Yannick saying, eh, you're replaceable. You know? <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, they might do that. Now, yeah. you can't just go spend $12 million just to send a message, but they might need to anyway because I'm telling you, I don't think the organization is planning on having him, and so if you're not planning on having him, you better address that in free agency and – in the draft eventually, but well, you don't want to just lock yourself into having to take a, a a defensive end in the draft because, well, it's not that deep this year. 
Absolutely, and keep in mind as well, in terms of maybe bringing a defensive end in for free agency, you have to ask yourself, if you're Todd Wash right now, what are you going to do? Are you going to run the same defense as, as last year? Because how did that work out for you last year? Yes. Not too good. And now let's keep in mind as well, if you do intend to keep Clayus Campbell, well, what kind of work volume is Clayus Campbell going to get? Is he going to get all the base reps? Because essentially, you know, we're playing that big defensive end. That was put in place for Clayus Campbell. Now all of a sudden you take him out of those base reps and you're only relying on him for the pass rushing abilities. Well, then who's taking Clayus Campbell's spot? Taven Bryan right now? You know, so you have to ask yourself as well, what kind of scheme do you want to run going forward? Because what they have right now on the roster in terms of personnel and assuming that Yannick Ngakwe sits out, it's not looking too promising, Brent. No, uh, and, and I think they the other part of that for Wash is how much will they change and Yannick Ngakwe be a factor. Again, I don't buy the 11 days and all that that he missed and that, that prevented you from putting it in last year. But this one could prevent you from changing it if you're planning on it. That's why I say they're not going to plan on it. And they're going to do whatever they need to do, and then it will be up to Yannick to jump on board and get back in whenever he decides to do that, if he decides to do that. So it'll be it's fascinating to watch. There's a lot of chess matches being played, and I think the next 10 days kind of indicates not only what the Jags will have to do in the draft, but also how they might feel about the Yan situation playing out. The moves they make these next 10 days, really next week and those few days, uh, I think will dictate how they feel about the Jan situation moving forward and the likelihood that he plays games in September or not. Because I don't think they know. I mean, yeah. it's not that kind of communication, I don't think. But you still have to guess if you're the Jags. And, and listen, uh, I'll be honest with you. Obviously, Jan, to me, would be the top priority. But Clayus Campbell is a close second right now because Clayus Campbell, to me, is really like that domino that puts everything in motion. Where if you get a feel for, can this guy still play those base reps? Is he willing to take a pace a pay cut, but can he still give you 30 to 40 plays a game? If that's the case, then you don't have to change your defense drastically so much. But if it gets to the point where it's like, I'm not taking a pay cut, either you guys pay me what I'm worth or I'm going someplace, something like along those lines, well, then now you got to start establishing, well, maybe do we need a three technique in free agency? Do we change the whole system around? Do we address that in the draft? But then you bring in a rookie in, how much can you trust a rookie to play Clayus Campbell's spot? So it's all these factors. So to me, I get it. Yannick Ngakwe, yes, it's number one. Figure out what situation is, go from there. But you also have to establish real quick what Clayus Campbell is going to bring to the table. All right, I'm going to ask you a question in a moment because I just asked social media, so mm-hmm. we'll... And we can think about this kind of in the back back of our brains while I while I do some trade proposals for you. But uh, whose production is harder to replace in 2020? This isn't a five-year plan. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about 2020, Calais Campbell or Yannick Ngakwe. Because they have tried to replace that big end spot, tried to get the, well, the reps they, lower for they Calais. They put Josh Allen years. there. Yeah. So who... Who, it's been hard to even give somebody a part-time gig at Calais's spot the last three years. Yeah, They've been wanting to find that. They haven't been able to. So which one is tougher to replace from a production standpoint, positional standpoint in this defense? Don't answer it just yet. Okay. I want to go to drafts first, uh, trades first, because I, I tease it. You've been teasing this a long time, man. I can't wait to hear these. Let's yeah, get me with and, them. And this will come up in, uh, I, I didn't realize, but I think Kuz has a question in our uh, ten questions in five minutes uh, in the five o'clock hour. But but this will be a, a more extended conversation about it. A few days ago, I think it was Tony Pauline uh, from Pro Football Network mm-hmm. and came up uh, or at least reported that the Jaguars in Seattle have discussed trade talks with Yannick Ngakwe. Certainly, you can fit it, right? Yep. That defense over to Seattle defense that makes a lot of sense on a lot of different levels. They might not keep Clowney. They might need a pass rusher. So I can see the logic. Based on the report, the Seahawks would send the number 27 pick which is their first-round pick. Sure. And 
one of their second round picks, it's like 59 or 64, okay. to Jacksonville for Ngakwe and get the number 42 pick in return. So they get a better second round pick, Yeah. Seattle. They give up one of their second rounds, but they also give up a first round pick. So essentially, you're basically trading away a first round pick for Yannick Ngakwe. Essentially, and a few yeah. spots in the second round. So you're getting one first round pick, and you're not on the hook for the dollars, and you don't have to deal with the drama. Yeah. To me, the 27th pick isn't good enough. I, I don't think that's enough for me. Yeah. I don't I don't love it. I could see the sense of if you here's the deal. If the Jags did something like this, that means they have like five percent um confidence that they can work things out with Yannick. And sure. they're just like we we're, we just don't want Wash to. Wash our hands of it. And, yeah. and again, keep in mind now if you decide to do something like that, you potentially save yourself nineteen million against the cap and all those other things. So that's one. Do you like it at all? Do you I mean are you lukewarm on it? Do you could you uh. see it? Does it make sense? Uh, you know what? The 27th pick, I'm not a big fan. Um, yeah, I You'd have three no, first-round picks, though. Oh, I know. That, that'd be crazy, man. But I'll be honest. And listen, you, you, can always, you can always parlay that pick with something else next year, things like that. But if I'm the Jaguars, I'm going no deal, Brent. Sorry. All right. So then uh, I got – so somebody I can't – I'm not going to name names. But somebody asked me this last night. Okay. And, and I was like, nah, they won't do that. And then it got me thinking a little bit more. So Trent Williams. Oh, uh, so, so so what you're saying is Jack Del Rio asked you this last night. No, okay. no, no. That's gotcha. What's up, Jack? Good to hear from you, man. So Thanks for calling. Trent Williams is unhappy in Washington. Correct. They apparently report as they've given him, a, you know, go seek a trade if you want. Sure. Obviously, Ngakwe, unhappy here in Jacksonville. Yeah. Jags have the number nine overall pick. Redskins have the number two pick. Mm, yeah. Go on. <laughs> Now, listen, this would cost the Jaguars draft capital. See, here's the deal. You can't do straight-up Trent Williams and Ngakwe. You know why? Because the Jags feel like they want to get something in return for Ngakwe. Like, they feel like they would want to get yeah. a draft pick included. Well, Washington feels the same way about a seven-time Pro Bowler. It's a premium, premium position, should. and they would want more draft. So they both want the same stuff. They want more than they can give each other. Yep. But if you start talking about draft picks now, maybe this com- makes a little more sense. It's a great one to play out, okay. just in theory, at least from the Jags side. So you you go from nine to two. You trade nine and two picks. Okay, so the Jaguars have the second pick of the so draft. So now they have the second I pick. I like that. So what do you have to give up along with that? You along have, with Ngakwe. Do you give up one of your first rounders in next year's draft? No. Do you give up a second and a fourth? Do you give up uh, this year? Do you, yeah. have, you have plenty of picks at your disposal. So to go up from 92, so here's the deal. So you get your offensive tackle, who's 31 and still got some play in him, and he's a seven-time Pro Bowler. Uh, and then you go get Chase Young, who oh, will be Brent, on a rookie Come on, deal. man. You're going to make me black out, dude. Chase Young and Josh Allen on the same – come on. Come on, Brent. Easy now, dude. So what would you be willing to give up to get to that number two yep. pick? And now, so it sounds great, right? It's like, whoa, that's awesome. By the way, uh, I, I wish I could give this guy credit, but I'm not going to mention his name. So Jack uh, I just stole it. Jack so uh, this, I mean, it's a great idea. So then I'm thinking, all right, I'm not good at this trade stuff. All right, <laughs> okay. I'm not good at the value, right? There's a chart and all that crap. Like, wait, wait, well, I don't know what the <laughs> heck you're supposed to do with it. So I look up. When Washington went from number six to number two to get Robert Griffin the third sure. back in 2012, now we're talking way back. They gave up a lot. But yeah, I didn't realize the how much they gave up. Right? Yeah. They gave up to the Rams. Check out what they gave up. <laughs> Ready for this? They would send. They sent their first round pick, which was number six. So Jags are at nine. Not mm-hmm. that much different, but 
they'll probably yeah. have to even give up more to get from nine to two yeah. rather than six to two. They gave up second round picks in this year's draft, first round picks in 2013 and 14. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not doing that if I'm the Jaguars. No, that's yeah. way too much. That's way too much. It's way too much. And then you saw that panned out for him. Well, I yeah. mean, they, they had that playoff run, but then but it's it's really RG3's leg so I'm not giving up that much. And honestly, I don't know has the value decreased a little bit like in the trade up game, or is it still at that? I I, I don't even know. But it's interesting, is it? Wouldn't it? Doesn't it make sense? Like you get rid of disgruntled player, we get a player that was disgruntled, and we need a pass rusher. Yeah. And most of the, most if you look ahead, you're probably not going to have those guys anyway, or there's a, at least a feeling. And from the Jags' point, of, listen, from uh, the Redskins' point of view, they can get an offensive tackle at number nine. They can get so, a new offensive tackle at nine. Well, the Jags now get a pass rusher to replace Ngakwe. So if you could figure out whatever the so draft capital is, here's what I'm it doing. really makes a lot of sense. Here's what I'm doing, too, because, you know, I think from the trade perspective of Yannick Ngakwe and Trent Williams, both fantastic players, obviously – um, Trent Williams being up there in age a little more. I think the Jaguars do have the advantage there, where Yannick Ngakwe is still very young, still has a lot of years ahead of him. So with that perspective, if I'm the Jaguars, I trade away that first-round pick with Yannick Ngakwe, and we trade straight up, so I have the second pick of the draft now with the Redskins, and then I give up my second-round pick this year, and I give up my second-round pick next year. Then I go draft Chase Young, obviously, number two pick overall in the draft, I black out because I'm so excited because I'm playing a 3-4 defense. Todd Wash talking to you. And we go on from there, and we, we make magic. We make history. That's what I would do. Yeah, I just don't know if that's going to be enough. If it's going to be enough, yeah. I don't think it will be enough. And if I was those guys talking about balance winning now versus tomorrow, meaning next year, yeah, maybe I would consider giving up one of those first-round picks next year. I yeah. might not be here to use it anyway. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's, that's a good point. But then we got to keep in mind as well real quick, too, though, Brent. If other teams are interested in doing that, though, because Tua is also going to be there. Tua will right? be like, like, to me, the Jaguars don't need Tua right now. They, but but there could right. be some suitors out there that do want There's Tua. There's a trade scenario that Coos will bring up later with the Redskins. So okay. the, and I didn't see this until after I brought up this one um, or, or thought about this one. But that include Tua. Okay. And so that's interesting to me because I don't think the Jags would be interested in that side. But we'll, oh, get, no, we'll no. get to that a little bit okay. later on. Okay. Uh, let's welcome in John Bachman right now back in the Action uh, Sports Jack studio. Sorry to keep you waiting there, John. We're getting a tasty trade ready for the Jaguars and Redskins. Do you like it? My uh, my uh, appetite is whetted, I guess you'd say. <laughs> Which is a very good word. Yes, indeed. That's whetted, W-H-E-T-T-E-D, I believe. <laughs> anyway, yes. Uh, yeah, sounds great. I'm, I'm in. If it, if it means uh, getting what... Uh, Austin was talking about with the with a killer defense there. That could be pretty great. Yeah, and you get make people happy, but you get a Pro Bowler on the offensive line. And you're not sure about your left tackle to begin with. Uh, people want you to upgrade that already. So it, it's a fascinating scenario. It's just a matter of could the Jags or would they be willing to give up enough that Washington might uh, want for it. And um, your, to your point, I think you guys touched on it, but, I mean, what, what Washington gave up with the Rams, I mean, they're still paying the price for that, aren't they? Yeah, I would say, well, they did for several years, if not yeah. still now. Yeah. Um, it's a good point. And I just don't, I'm just not good at the value board on the, if it's even gone up or down or, or whatever. And the Redskins could have multiple suitors for that spot because, like you said, uh, Tua. Mm-hmm. So will people want to jump up and get Tua or even Chase Young? I mean, some people 
look at Chase Young as a generational player. No, true, but but I think to prove you know the, the RG three standpoint, yes, the Redskins traded all that capital because RG three was the quarterback. They thought he was the quarterback of the future. Mm-hmm. I'm for trading that for a quarterback, but I have a hard time believing you're going to trade that much capital just for Chase Young, he, he, even though he is a great player. He's still a defensive end. I know he is, but it also gets you in a situation where, keep in mind, right now Yannick Ngakwe is your $100 million guy. Say you could come to terms with him. Mm-hmm. But you replace Ngakwe, potentially, potentially, just in case Ngakwe is listening, uh, <laughs> with, with, with a better player. Yeah. People think that he might be like this unbelievable guy. Mm-hmm. Depends how you value him and your scouting. And you've got him on a rookie deal for five years. Mm-hmm. So or four years. So I mean, it's an economical decision as well. Just matter how much you want to uh, give up potentially uh, in that scenario. Uh, we'll see what kind of scenarios are going on. All right, John. Uh, holy cats! I mean, do we have uh, any good news? I mean, no. Did, did hey, I do. Dow- That's not true. I have some good news. You want you, this is gonna. You're some. There's some good news buried in this, and there's also some spin that you could buy into. That's not as bad. So, are you ready? I'm gonna, well, yeah, let me guess. Okay. Uh, first of all, the stock market is like, I feel like we're in 1929. 2008. Um, or 2008. Worst day since 2008, according yeah, to the Wall Street Journal. Let's put those bills underneath the mattress, Brent, like Holy the old days, cow. huh? Let's get the but money out of the banks. I feel like no, the don't, gas don't prices are going to go under $2, and we're going to benefit at the pump. Gas prices are already hovering at $2 and will, in fact, likely go down below $2 a gallon. Was that is that correct. Silver lining? No, no, no. There's way more to oh. this. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah, go. Okay, so that was one of them, that the gas prices are down. Number two, unless you're retiring today, so forgive me, for those of you who are retiring right now, this, there is no good silver lining. That's, it's just bad news. Oh, I'm not. But most of us right now are not we retiring. We're younger here on the show. That's, That's okay. right, for sure. <laughs> So for those of us who are not retiring anytime soon, we are still buying. We're not selling. This is an opportunity because yes. now our retirement, when we take that lop of money off the top and we put it into our 401k, we're now buying a lot more for our dollar. Oh. So that is an opportunity. How's that for Mr. Positivity on Monday? Well, you're right. I mean, that is true. It's fact. I mean, that's that just a simple fact. Sounds like sounds like Uncle John's got some some perks here. Sounds like you know something that we don't about the stock market right now. Well, I I mean I don't know anything than anybody else, but I I, I here's what I do know. I'm 45 years old. I've seen it go up. I've seen it go down. How's that? I Guess what like happens? It always does both. And I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this. I don't know if this is that wrong to say, but I almost feel like the 11 days of the stock market like this. The coronavirus, which feels like it's the plague, mm. I'm like I'm mm. waiting for some like mm. nuclear reactor to happen. Uh, it's like the, well, it's like the only thing like that hey, makes make things feel worse right now. Well, you should the see world. the airports, Brent. All right, people are flustered to say the least. But uh, let me, Austin, I'm glad you brought that up because let me ask you, how many people? And I asked somebody I talked to just recently. I talked to somebody today who had just been in Seattle last week. Okay. Seattle's had a really, you know, of. Of the American outbreak, which, again, I want to couch that because it's not as bad here, at least not yet, as it has been in China by any stretch of the imagination. But Seattle's had a couple cases, a couple more cases than anywhere else. They, I asked him, I said, well, how you see these videos with people walking around with masks on. And I said, well, how many do you really see? And he said it was um, like one in a couple hundred. Not at the airport, mm. but in the city of Seattle. And okay. At the airport, okay. it's like one in, I think he said maybe one in ten. 
at the airport? Yeah, I would probably go more towards like one and seven for okay. me. Okay, all right, at the, all right. Uh, yeah, at the Dallas airport. Yeah. But like, it's crazy though, man, because like people have you know they're like like the little like the surgical mask, but then yeah. I saw some dudes rocking like these. It looked like they were in Top Gun, man. It was like a like a oh, big, like, just really yeah. like intense looking breathing apparatus. <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it. It's kind of like politics, right? Mm. And now it's like, what's the truth? You know, well, it's hard to tell because it's either all one side mm. or the other. And now all of a sudden, I kind of feel like the coronavirus has adopted that a little bit because it feels like it's such an overreaction. Right, here's but the deal. would there be this much of an overreaction if it wasn't a pretty serious, very no. contagious, and something mm. to keep an eye on type of You're thing? You're giving me heartburn over here, Brent. You're giving me heartburn. <laughs> Let me try to... Uh, Pat down some of the, the uh, hysteria, if you want to call it that, because here's the deal, and we're working hard on this on Action News, Jacks, and we're we're not perfect. We're in fact we are far from it. But here's the deal: this is an important story to tell, but it's also very important to keep it in perspective. Right now, there are 600 cases in the U.S. All right, how many people live in the U.S.? 330 million people. I did the math, and somebody can check me on the math. But here's what I found out: it's if better you, than Brian Williams. If now. you take, yeah, thank you. If you take six, uh, 64,000 seats in uh, TIAA Bank Stadium, mm-hmm. approximately, and you try to fill the number of seats with the number of people who have the virus in America, you know how many seats it would take up? One person in, in the pool. One person in the pool. Nope. Yeah. No, I don't know. That's, uh, Brent, what do you want? What do you think? How many uh, seats of the sixty-four thousand, going by how many have the coronavirus in a, America? A cup holder. That's about right. It's one. Nice. It's Good one. Call, it's one tenth of a seat. You'd have to get to six thousand cases before you can fill a seat in TIAA Bank Stadium. Wow. Uh, so that's that's yeah. where we're at now. That does not so okay. So doesn't mean it's not serious. It does it not mean it's not serious, serious because but. here's the deal: like the flu, it can be very problematic for people who are older or have you know compromised immune systems, and it's new and we don't know a lot about it. So health officials are rightly taking this seriously because we don't know what it's going to be, and that's where I think the the some of this is lost in the translation because you have scientists who are trained to think critically about things and to be very cautious because that's what they're supposed to do. That's what you want them to do. And then you have people uh, in, in the regular world who aren't as um, up on all of the nuances who hear what they're saying and then take it and run with it, and that can be problematic. They're not doing it on purpose. There's no blame here. It's just, it just is what it is. So yeah. there, there's, a, there's a bit of a translation from the scientific community to the regular folks like us that sometimes can be lost a little now i'm not downplaying the seriousness of this virus because again it, it, we have to prudently try to corral it and keep it from getting out of control but we also kind of need to take a deep breath and realize like, that I'm, so far that's where we're at yeah, one tenth of like a seat yeah it's a good i'm Good uh, perspective, mm-hmm. but I do feel like it's a little bit right now. You said Indian Wells tournament got canceled. I think yeah. people are talking about the NBA owners are meeting about yeah. this, all these things, and this is what happens, okay? Uh, and this is reality, whether it's right or wrong. It happens with hurricanes, John. It happens with everything. People don't want to make the mistake on the other side. Yep. They're making the mistake on the cautious yep, side. Absolutely. And, and, and listen, we've learned negative. I mean, listen, uh, so, Katrina was like that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Or what name your thing that was like that, and there wasn't enough action before, maybe. Mm-hmm. And so this is what we get in return. And, and it, 
it almost lightens it because we're used to it, but you still got to be ready. For it. It's just the way it is. It's just the way the news cycle works now. But I do feel like, I mean, it's going to be very interesting. This is reality. Well, and you have you have a lot here. of a lot of companies, a lot of organizations who are coming out and doing things because they feel like they number one, to. it's the right thing to do, perhaps, but it's also because they feel like they have to because social media is happening and everybody else is Not doing that, things. John, but like HR protocol, probably yeah. you have to do it. I mean, we're right. getting more emails at work about this, right. about making sure uh, you know we're cleaning stuff off than we've ever, ever, ever even got one. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, I get it, I get all that stuff. But your but point he, is a good one, Brent, because frankly, these emails we're getting at work and every, every, and all these other things that people are talking about we should be doing them anyway we should be washing our hands well after every use of the bathroom we should wash our hands when we come into work because we don't want to give the our workers whatever might be going on at home and we should wash our hands when we get home for work so we don't give our family whatever's going around at work it's it's good practice to do this for the flu for the coronavirus for whatever else uh, bugs might be out there this is just good to do so frankly if nothing else comes of all this maybe people will be um, you know educated on that a little bit and also just not being gross. Yeah, don't be the, gross. Don't no. be gross. I've always thought being gross kind of built my immune system a little bit. Well, I'm, well, I'm going to be honest, man. I'm not worried about degree. the coronavirus right now. I'm, I'm worried about pollen and Brent Martineau, dude, because well, like, I, I feel like we're two days away from me trying to stab you with an EpiPen. I'm not sure if that's even how it works I don't with an EpiPen and pollen, but I feel like that's where we're going to have to go. I, I think you might be honest. And, and that's another point, Austin. I mean, in most of us healthy uh, folks, or so we think, the coronavirus will show itself in very mild form that, I mean, you know, I haven't had a doctor say it looks like allergies, but you get what I'm saying. I hey, mean, I've got allergies uh, right now, and hey. I'm wondering, what am I having? First of all, John, not nice. Second of all, Fred Martino, <laughs> how you feeling right now? I feel and be like honest. <laughs> be I mean, honest. I feel like I've got, like, uh, uh, <laughs> You know, this yellow gob of right, pollen. Taking two right steps to the left. Throat. Taking two T- seats to the left. Tomorrow you guys are going to do the show. Uh, the stream's going to be in hazmat suits. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, you know what else, John? You know what I don't understand? Who came up with the logo for coronavirus to try oh. to make it look like a flower you give your wife? Yeah. I didn't see that. What? I don't know if that's <laughs> a flower. A, Is that a flower a you give your wife, Brent? Because that's not a flower I'd give my wife. <laughs> no, but there's a logo. <laughs> I mean, you look at it. Doesn't it look like a flower at first? Uh, it looks like a dandelion, I guess, kind of, with a couple of strands that are hanging on for dear hey, life. Wh- where are you getting these flowers from, man? Yeah, no, that's, that's a- not it. That's not oh, okay. it. you got to look at, like the red one. There's like this red. Right here. Yeah, like th- that's not a flower you give your wife. Yeah, that, 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 that's haunting. Right? Yeah, nah, I saw haunting. one that looks better than that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, sorry, I haven't given my wife flowers in a while. That's what. That's what. Thing, <laughs> and finally, and we're finally, trying, the truth comes out. We're yeah. and we're now we're getting to the root of the, the whole problem. Here. All right, hey, serious thing though. Yeah. And, and I think this is this is real. Uh, the if we get a coronavirus case confirmed in the Jacksonville area this week. I really am curious what it does to this tournament. Well, I mean, we, because we, this is, with the areas where it has happened, where there's confirmed cases, is where people are. <laughs> I don't know. If over, I don't know if overreaction is the right word, but they're reacting. Sure. And so you really do wonder, uh, and I think officials here have their eyes on that uh, because you never know. I mean, they're popping up in the state of Florida now, and really all over the country. But uh, that's something to watch this week, uh, and it will impact, I would think, attendance and those kind of things. Well, it, it may impact attendance, and that would be, uh, you know, an unfortunate aspect of this. Um, the, the the tournament has 
rightfully done some things to try to get ahead of it by adding a bunch of stuff, uh, mainly sanitizers and cleaning stations, which we will be talking about as well on Action News Jackson 5. But um, they're doing whatever, you know, the, without canceling the tournament, they're doing what they can. Or without making the tournament happen with nobody actually there and just having the players walk around the course and play with, you know, TV coverage only, um, they're doing what, it, you know, the things they can do. Um, but again, I think, you know, if there is one case that comes up here this week, and let's be honest, at some point that will probably happen. Yep. There might be even a handful of cases here at some point. Um, again, the the reality is we have a million people in this area, and that would not be shocking at all. And, you know, you have to react accordingly, which is to say be smart, do the things you can do to control it and whatever. But the reality is it's a small percentage, and of that small percentage – most people will get it and move on with their lives. It's not going. It, it, it has um, it has it has serious consequences for people with compromised immune systems, but only in rare circumstances. I'll leave yeah. it at that. All so right. that's yeah, so the thing. We'll so go out, that. have some fun at the players. Be careful. Wash your hands. Wash them anyway. Let's all make a pact to go going forward. We're going to wash our hands better. And the other thing is, you know, med- the medical community has come a long way over the years. That doesn't mean that these things can't grow and still be a problem. But the medical community has done a fantastic job in the last few decades of really um, trying to, uh, you know, stay on top of this. So, yeah. uh, what's this? Is this the worst out? Like, kind of. Uh, no, think about it. The f- to it. I mean, was was uh, no. I'm not saying by the numbers oh. of cases. Okay. I'm saying by the hysteria around what's going on. Mm. I remember, like Ebola. What was? You, did it have this kind of reaction across the world? I, 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 Austin, Austin hit it. Swine flu is probably the most recent, and um, I don't have the numbers in front of me as far as like you know. Um, Case fatality rates versus yeah, I'm talking you know, more feel, man. Like uh, yeah, you know, I'd say the swine like, flu, Whoa. swine flu and SARS both come to mind. Okay, and the thing is, people still get swine flu. You just don't hear about it anymore because it's not. It's like, uh, you know, it, it, the it's news kind cycle of ran its course. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> Well, Sorry for the swine flu what, no, the reason isn't that. I mean, that's part of it, but the reason it's not a, it's not a news cycle is because they've got it. And I'll say this loosely, I'm not a scientist, but yeah. they've got it under control. Yeah. So it's not a story because the, the medical community is no longer concerned about it. As soon as the medical community feels comfortable with uh, the coronavirus, again, I'm, I'm speaking out of school here. This is my opinion. I'm not, I, I don't want to report this as necessarily a fact because I have not yeah. spoken to a medical professional about this. But I suspect that as soon as the medical field feels more comfortable with the coronavirus, again, what's concerning to the experts right now is the unknown about all of this yeah, yeah, that and sense. and that's and that's good you want them to be the rest of us need to let them do their jobs and until you know i mean obviously again do what we're supposed to do but until they say hey uh this is a serious you know we don't we we can't control this or whatever this may be then we get then we have to take you know more um precautions but at this point they're telling us to do what we're doing we're doing it and i'm you know i'm planning on hitting the players as well and um i'm gonna wash my hands and i'm gonna cough into my elbow and i'm gonna you know try not to lick doorknobs <laughs> what's the Which what's the that? proper way do, do you cough into to your lick, shirt or cough into your elbow no rent I'm talking about how, how do you cough, man? You cough in your elbow, or do you, you cough in your shirt? And then we'll get to the doorknobs later. Oh, 
Oh, well, yeah, yeah well, you cough, cough you cough into your elbow. The reason you do that, you don't want to cough in your hands because obviously you're spewing a bunch of stuff in your hands that you're obviously. then going to touch everything, right? Sure. So that's why you cough into your elbow because you can contain the, the droplets of spit and, okay. and, and other stuff. And you, you contain that into your, your shirt and you're not spraying it. Cause, and that's why they're saying, you know, that this thing could, you, you want to stay like six feet away from people if you know they're, you know, uh, uh, that, that's the whole, like the, the magic of the six feet because that's what they estimate to be the traveling. Awesome. Capacity. Pretty, pretty much sitting right on Brent Martino's lap right well, now. Well, then, awesome. and, that, and that's why you have to have cough in your elbow so that you don't okay. spray it all over him. You, you know, know, we usually kind of... try to tell people how how to learn how to read defenses and starting. Yeah, that's sure. how we're telling them how to cough. cough. Yep. Uh, hey, man. Uh, here we are. The more you know. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, if you feel you don't have enough information on the coronavirus, I promise you, you watch Action News Jax on CBS 47, Fox 30, tonight at 5 o'clock, you will have your full share. There you go. You said it, John Bachman. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks, guys. We'll have a live report from the Players' Championship tonight as well. Love you, Austin. Love you, buddy. Hey, I love you too, man. And like my favorite actor, Sam Elliott, once said in my favorite movie, sometimes you eat the bear and sometimes the bear eats you. Amen, brother. Yes, sir. <laughs> hey, Brent, you, you, you know that movie? Probably uh, not. No. Oh, uh, you're, Calais you're Campbell, Yannick Ngakwe. Who is harder to replace in 2020? I like who it. will be harder to replace production-wise and what you want to do on defense? Let's talk about it next. ESPN 690. Live from the Players' Championship. Really good weekend for us. You know, playing against two of the best teams, the top two teams in, in the league, with, including with us, um, as far as record-wise. But um, I just think the way we just kept our composure throughout the whole game, um, both uh, for, six, for 96 minutes, um, both with Milwaukee for 48, um, both with, uh, with with the Clippers as well. Um, no matter what was going on throughout the course of the game, we just held our composure. We continued to get stops. We continued to execute. And um, the, I think the best thing that came out of both games is we didn't turn. We didn't have high turnover games. That is LeBron James. Just give him the title right now, I guess. MVP of the league. Of this year or what year we talking about, Brent? <laughs> hey, what year are we talking about? Could Giannis open the door for oh, LeBron? I see, I see where this is going. Because of the knee. I see where this is. Ah, possibly. We still yeah, have 16 no. games to go. Exactly. you got to keep in mind, too, I mean, where the Bucks are sitting, obviously, they've already clinched their spot. So one would think that if they do rest Giannis for an extended period of time, that does really open the door for LeBron James. LeBron James... Listen, Giannis is Giannis. I think LeBron and Giannis have impact that's so immeasurable, so they fit the MVP the, the way it should be. But Giannis didn't win it last year, right? No. Harden he, won. No. No, Giannis won. Giannis oh, Giannis won last won year. Last year. Okay, so they don't know him won. No. Why was I thinking Harden won it because of all the points? That's because Harden was complaining. Okay, that's where it was. Yeah. It was complaining they didn't win it. Correct. But, like, LeBron, I mean, they, they do have that immeasurable impact. Like, you take... Those guys off, and they are just like, I mean, yeah. they're just a, a, a team. Like, they are yeah. just a team. And mm-hmm. it's been that way for LeBron a lot of times, especially those Cleveland days. So, um, but LeBron is doing, I mean, I, I think what's amazing about LeBron is that he's doing it at his age, and sure. he's coming back from the injury, and he's doing things that he was supposed to. That's why he went to L.A. Yeah. So it, it almost feels like bigger. Mm-hmm. You know, than what Giannis is doing, even though no, listen, I mean, he's been doing it for a couple of years. I was years the now. I was the one that said that right away. How would him and Anthony Davis gel together, right? Because even when it was Anthony Davis and Cousins and the, the Pelicans, like yeah, they had probably the the best uh, backcourt in the entire NBA. 
but they ain't win a lot of games, right? So I always thought, like, well, what is, what is this going to look like with Anthony Davis, who obviously demands the ball a lot, which he should get because he's a freak of nature, and LeBron James? And truth be told, it seems like since day one, they've gelled, they've meshed, and I think it's a testament to what LeBron James brings to the table, man. The guy is still very super talented, and I think he's kind of found the fountain of youth a little bit, if you will. Yeah, uh, what is with Jan, Jan, Giannis, Jan? Giannis. That's a big deal, huh? Yeah, yeah. Jan. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's going to start with Jan. Yes. Um, the do you see the Patrick Beverly comments? By the way, I mean, yeah, I guess it's <laughs> so that guy though. You got to do that. So bitter. Oh, but you, but you get. Gotta, to, yeah. You don't want to. You don't want to admit anything. Yeah, man. But go ahead and pout in your room if you want, because let's be honest, man. LeBron James had a pretty good game. Okay, <laughs> so go and did. pout. Yeah. <laughs> uh, LeBron's still getting it done. All right, uh, we're still getting it done for another hour. We had a short segment there at the catch up on some commercial time, uh, and when we get back. I want to get to Calais or Jan. Mm-hmm. Who's harder to replace? And we also have 10 questions in five minutes. We do it again at 5 o'clock. It's coming up next. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, live from the Players' Championship. Welcome back to the Players' Championship. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, out here at TPC Sawgrass on a beautiful day. You know when I set up? Earlier this afternoon, it was sprinkling, some clouds, and now gorgeous. And this is going to be what it looks like all week. I mean, it's supposed yeah. to be fantastic. It's been chilly. I had, I was in Newberry with Kaylee. She had five games. I mean, it was a long day, a one-day tournament. And it was freezing, like in the morning and at night. I mean, it was cold. I mean, we're soft. I get it. Uh, <laughs> but it was cold. I mean, I was traveling back from Gainesville or from the Newberry-Gainesville area at uh, like 11 o'clock at night on mm-hmm. Saturday. And you go through like, uh, you know, kind of like Camp Blanding area. Mm-hmm. It got down to like 35 degrees on my uh, in my car. Yeah. Uh, at least on that thermometer, and it's bouncing all around. There'll be like 43 degrees when I left, then down to 35, and then you cross the St. John's River and it was back up to like 44. But it was still chilly. Yeah. Chilly weekend overall, especially when you're at a ball field or if you're at like a golf course and the wind's blowing and it's the cool wind, not the warm wind. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, Brisk it wind, really, I think they yeah. call that, Brent. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a beautiful day here now. I'm glad I got to find this spot and didn't really have to stress out about going on the golf course like I did last year a little bit and make that accident. So it feels good to finally start getting your bearings a little bit and being able to kind of pinpoint where things are at the players. I mean, I get it's still a very young week, and I still have a lot of places to check out, but so far, so good. One for one. Well, this will be your your um, first real experience to the players because you had a fight last year uh, yeah. on Saturday night of it, so yeah. Yeah, that last well, couple of days. And, yeah, but well, so keep in mind, I mean, I've been here as a player, too, because I was in the, the Jaguars yeah, yeah, tent, yeah, yeah. but then I... I <clears throat> Might have gotten a little bit of trouble because I <laughs> tried to maybe play a little flip cup uh, with the free beer that was given to us, and... I forgot who the person was with the Jaguars, but they were not a fan of that. So needless to say, that that got shut down pretty quickly. Uh, how about this? Uh, wow, what is this? This is interesting. Speaking of some coronavirus, somebody just sent me this. Uh, who, who was it that sent me? A Rational Jags fan. Everett, thanks, man. Uh, just sending me a tweet that's out there now. Uh, we are carefully monitoring this rapidly evolving situation as it relates to the 2020 PGA Championship in San Francisco. We are in close coordination and communication with representatives from San Francisco and will continue to follow the guidance of state and city officials and public health authorities. As always, the safety and well-being of all involved is our highest priority. That's the PGA of America. The PGA Championship moved on the new schedule to May, not August. So a couple months away, and could the coronavirus impact 
it being in San Francisco, well, Robert Lucetich, and I'm sorry if I don't say that uh, name correctly, from Fox, <laughs> Fox Sports. You, you sounded pretty confident when you Australian said it. Australian foreign correspondent, uh, writes about golf. Okay. And he says this, I'm told officials from the PGA Tour and PGA are discussing a contingency plan that could move PGA Championship from Harding Park in San Francisco to TPC Sawgrass. No way. PGA statement uh, is hmm. below, and that's uh, what the, the statement I just read. Wow. Uh, Irrational Jacks fan, by the way, thanks for uh, giving us a tip on that. Uh, that's just coming up. Now, that would be wild. And now here's the deal. I'm supposed to go to California in April. I seriously thought about this the other day. California's because, coming to you, it looks like. Well, I don't. I mean, should I be thinking twice about going to California? No, We're supposed to have man. a family vacation out there. First of all, great Led Zeppelin song. Second of all, no, man. Just go. With, you got to go to California. Well, I think you'll same. be all right. All right. Uh, also, one more thing on the coronavirus. Lorenzo says, Brent, I live near Milan, Italy. Mm-hmm. Milan, right? Milan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The entire country is officially in lockdown now, just a few minutes ago. Man. The situation is bad, and it'll get worse. Stay safe over there, and yes, it will impact all sports. Well, first of all... And by the way, Lorenzo, from Italy, we yeah. love you, man. Well, first of all, we pretty cool... We send Lorenzo a hat. Pretty, pretty, pretty cool someone in Italy is listening to us, first it, of all. Listen, so. we'll send Lorenzo a hat if yeah. he sends me some, like, spaghetti and meatballs. Okay, see, now... The <laughs> A little offensive, possibly. I don't know. Maybe not. What? I guess that's what they're Why known for. Offensive? Well, first of all, because well, Italian food. You know, they don't. They don't do. Okay, so I found this out actually in Dallas. We went to like this really high tech Italian restaurant, and I asked for spaghetti and meatballs. And apparently, they don't do spaghetti and meatballs. Like they have their their meats come as one thing, and the spaghetti and the pasta comes in a different thing. Okay. So when you combine them, it's actually I guess like super offensive. So that's offensive. The, well, Sorry, this, this I'm, I mean, this is what the, the the owner of this establishment told me. I don't know if he was trying to blow smoke up my you know what or what, but that's, he sounded pretty. You just send legit. me something that's your favorite from Italy. Yeah. And I'll send you a hat. I like it, man. I like <laughs> you it. Think yeah. The food will make it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Uh, wow. So that's interesting. All right, we'll continue to talk about something. Let's talk football. Okay. Calais Campbell. Yannick Ngakwe. Yeah. Now, the way I phrase it, listen, we understand. I, I, we've done this on a, a couple of different levels. Mm-hmm. We've done it with who will be the bigger PR hit. And to my surprise, a lot of people said Yannick. I really thought it would be Calais, but I'm really biased on Calais in that regard. Now, I do think with all the Yannick stuff going on, if Calais is no longer a part of the Jags and we find that out in the next week and a half, that will feel like rock bottom to this organization mm-hmm. because there are so many bad vibes anyway. And that will be like just another gut punch, man. I mean, that will take – that's like ripping the heart out of it, uh, of the fan base, and a, of much of the fan base. Or maybe yeah. it's just me because I love Calais. But um, but what about production-wise? He is a big-end spot that the Jags have tried to find somebody to compliment him to take some of his snaps down, but they've been unable to really do so effectively. Mm-hmm. Yannick obviously is a premier pass rusher. That position, tough to find. Eight and a half sacks, sometimes eleven sacks, strip sacks, fumble sacks, you know, uh, force fumbles, all those things. But Calais is a three-time Pro Bowler, All Pro, stout against the run, where you stunk last year for the most part. Who's harder to replace production-wise in 2020? Keep in yeah, mind the context. N- not going in the future. You know what? It's a fantastic question, Brent, because I'll be honest, and here's where I'm sitting at. Initially. To me, it was almost a no-brainer, and I'm actually going to go surprisingly against Jan here because I, I could say, well, you know what, Josh Allen can play Yannick Ngakwe's spot. It's it's hard to find that big end in you know in the in that uh, in that base defense. So I would argue Clayus Campbell is, is harder to replace because 
who's going to replace Clayus Campbell right now. I can make an argument to say at least Josh Allen has some end experience. He can replace Yannick Ngakwe, and you can kind of play like that Leo spot or whatever you, you want to call it now. But then the more we think about it, and here's the issue, where, yes, in base defense, I think Clayus Campbell is definitely the harder guy to replace. But keep in mind, you're only in base maybe 25 to 30% of the game. The rest you're going to have two rush ends, right? So assuming that, who's going to play Yannick Ngakwe's spot, right? Because Josh Allen's going to obviously be out there already, but who's playing the other defensive end? So from that perspective, I would almost say Yannick Ngakwe is going to be harder to replace, all due respect to the mayor of Saxonville, because I think both of those spots um, will be hard to replace. But I think just from a pass-rushing perspective, Yann's spot will be harder to replace. It's fascinating. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Okay. Free agency or draft? Where could you get help quicker? Which spot do you think? Calais's or Jan's? Because either way, listen, if you lose one of them, mm-hmm. heck, if you lose both of them, but if you lose one of them, you need to replace. You need Correct. to find more bodies. So where can you find more production or quicker production from at least to mitigate the loss of one of those guys? Because to me, that would help answer this question. Yeah, so to answer that question... To me, if you're going to address it in the draft, unless you get Chase Young, which it's obviously not looking good for the Jaguars right now, then to me the three technique, especially in this year's draft, will be easier to replace, especially when you got guys like Brown, you have guys like Kinlaw early on in the draft that can replace Clayus Campbell. Well, I'm not saying we really replace him, but they can come in for him. You know, I mean, you still have big shoes to fill trying to replace Clayus Campbell. They could play but, that spot okay. Exactly. I think they could play that spot a lot better than having to really you know, risk yourself and try, I guess, maybe like a... I'm trying to think of like a Zach Bond out of Wisconsin, um, you know, like at number 20 or something like that, where you really got to draft up to get him. I think it's hard to replace Anakin Gotham. You could really take like an Espinessa or something from the Iowa kid, right, for sure. Calais' spot at 20. Yeah, yeah, you could. You know, and I think with with, um, with him, you could definitely put him a defensive end as well in pass situations because that's what he's played in the past. Now, once again, he runs the five-flat 40. That turns a lot of teams off. We'll see how he does at the pro day. But I think he's kind of interchangeable. We can put him on the edge. You can put him in the middle. Kind of like a lot like Tyson Alualu was uh, his rookie year. You know, where Tyson was athletic enough to play defensive end in those pass, rush, those pass rushing situations, you can do the same thing with uh, the guy from Iowa as well. Okay, interesting. Uh, well, I don't know the clear-cut answer, but again, I think the Jags have to ask themselves that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, you could be without both of them if you're making an economic decision on Calais, and Jan decides not to play. Sure. Uh, again, I'll go back to what I said last week when the A.J. Boye news broke. If the Jaguars don't have Calais Campbell on the roster this year, I think they are in full rebuild mode. If the Jags even lose, say, where they were to trade a Fournette or a Linder or a Norwell, I think those kind of pieces, it would signal a pivot inside the organization to say we are in rebuild mode. They'll never admit it. But I think it will be an indication that they are because of what we're talking about. Inability to replace in 2020 shows me those are rebuilding kind of positions, and you're just going to be empty at those spots potentially. But let me ask you this, though. So from the rebuilding perspective, is this Shad Khan making the call on Calais Campbell? Because we we can kind of already establish Johnny Kangakwe. Good chance he won't be in Jacksonville next year, okay? Good chance. Fair. Good chance. With next Cal- year, like 2020. Yeah, yeah, 2020, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. With Calais Campbell, though, I mean, there are definitely ways to keep him. So my question to you is, is this Shad Khan making the call where Calais Campbell's not going to be back, or is this Dave Caldwell making the call? Well, I think right now the nature of their setup, 
on these kind of decisions, I think Ishad Khan is involved. Now, mm-hmm. when I say involved, I think he's getting the information. You tell me the story. Just what, these kind of things that we're asking. And those guys have to have the answers and say, hey, we can't replace this guy. Mm-hmm. We don't want to pay him $15 million, but we can't replace him. What should we do? What's your thought? Should, are you willing to go $15 million? Uh, you know, And I think Shot is involved in this. More so, I think that's what we learned at the end of last year, that he is going to be more involved in those kind of things instead of just trusting Tom, which is what he did the last three years. I also think... I've done two interviews, I believe, with Dave Caldwell, and he has referenced Shad being involved in situations, whether it was Yannick or something else. And so I think he is very much involved in these decisions, especially when it comes with big price tags and versus production and, and what, what situation it would leave the team in. So if that is the case, then, and you know, Shad Khan obviously has some kind of input of who gets their money and who walks, in terms of Calais Campbell, I think, and listen, Call me crazy, but if you're Shad Khan and you choose to retain Dave Caldwell and you choose to retain Doug Marone, you're not planning on rebuilding, okay? I think you still plan on winning because the ultimate sign of a rebuild would be to bring in a new coaching staff, to bring in a new GM, to tear it all down and try to mold it in those people's images that you bring in. You haven't done that. You've chose to retain those guys. So with that being said, I still think, and once again, call me crazy, I still think you plan on winning ball games this year. So if that's the case, then, and even if you're Shad Khan, even if you don't want to, you know, fork over that $17 million, $18 million to Clayus Campbell, you still have to do it because number one, he gives you a better chance of winning, and number two, if you are trying to avoid that rebuild, that's what you have to do. Yeah, and, and I think this is the interesting dynamic. I don't disagree with what you said about Marone and Caldwell coming back, and I think most people would agree and say, hey, yeah, they're trying to win. I mean, Chadcon said it. We think we can be closer to winning now by keeping these guys here. That was his mentality. What I'm saying is now that the A.J. Boye thing has worked out, now that she doesn't look like you can save Jan thing, the thing from being a, a long-term extension here in Jacksonville, has what other move will make you pivot that mindset? And it's not that they have said we're pivoting. It's the moves that have been made are How directing looks. them to pivot sure. and either go in one direction or another and not be stuck in the middle because you have to do that. Mm-hmm. You can't. And, and now, again, if they choose to not keep Calais in some way, shape, or form, to me that's an extreme look to pivot and say we're not winning now because anybody who wants to win right now would have Calais Campbell back and it almost doesn't matter the price tag. And you got to remember, too, so assuming, I mean, not assuming, but like, well, let's say Calais Campbell does leave Jacksonville. Well, then more than likely the team that brings him into the, their team is a team that's trying to win the Super Bowl, okay? It's, it's a contender because they're on the cusp and all they need is that Calais Campbell to try to push them over. So from that perspective, I get what you're saying there. I just think, you know, if you're Shad Khan, you really have to evaluate the situation here, okay? Because, yes, and the, the, the term rebuild, see, the term rebuild to me, Brent, it always leaves a bad taste in my mouth because... And it should, especially well, in the NFL. Yeah, Nobody would say it. Yeah, like well, and, and, and it should defend as well because essentially what you're saying is you're throwing away the season to try to start over fresh, right? Like I always think of rebuilds like, you know, teams in the NBA uh, that try to tank because they're trying to get the first-round picks and trying to build, yeah. like, you know, they're rebuilding. Jags did that back in 2013, and they were kind of transparent about it. Exactly. They won't be as transparent this time around. No, sure, That sure. doesn't mean the pivot isn't taking place inside the organization. Sure, and I guess where my issue comes from from the term rebuild this year, if Clayus Campbell does go, is the fact that 
to me, you essentially wasted this year, and not, not, not only from the rebuild, but also from obviously maintaining Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone. Because if you are truly going to rebuild this year, well, guess what? You're not going to win a lot of ball games. So one would assume that Doug Marone, Dave Caldwell, will be relieved of their duties. And if that's the case, then you have to go out and find a new staff and find a new GM. So essentially what you're doing, if you do let Clayus Campbell go and you are rebuilding, is you have to rebuild for two years because you're rebuilding this year. But then keep in mind, next year you're also rebuilding because the new guys that come in, they have to do things their way. You yeah. know, right? They, they yeah. have to establish what they establish. do in their culture and everything. And that takes a rebuilding year as well. So essentially we're talking about a two-year rebuild if that's indeed what's going on this year and you lose Clayus Campbell. Yeah, uh, well, it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens with it. Uh, Tim says, ask NFL QBs where they hate the pass rush coming from the most. Bet all stay up the middle. In pass rush situations, Calais goes to the middle. No more pressure will possibly make them the worst D in the NFL. You can get Saxon around three to five. Uh, look at Yannick Crosby-Smiths. Uh, interesting. Uh, and, and maybe even true uh, to yeah. From the outside versus the sure. inside. I mean, that's uh, that's how you be Patrick Mahomes. You rush him in the middle. But those outside guys are the ones that cash in and make the most money, it seems like. Especially the quarterback's blind, son. Uh, hey, we're going to pivot, too. Uh, how about to the happy hour horn? It's Players' Championship Week. It's like the sun is setting, it kind is. of. Well, not soon because we've got an extra hour of the day. So it's happy hour horn time here at TPC Sawgrass. Let's we're get it. Get back, baby. Grab a drink, get a shot, tip your chain smokers. <laughs> hey, coming tomorrow. Hey, Coos, was my mic open during the happy hour horn? <laughs> a little bit. Did you hear that I said I had snot dripping down my nose? No, I didn't hear that, so you're uh, good. I can, so I I can confirm. That. I oh, can confirm. confirm. Are you going to chain smokers tomorrow? Well, we're going to be there. Oh, we're, like, we're, we're going. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, but, but we're going to do the show Right across from where everything is tomorrow. Gotcha. Cool. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. I think we'll be able to see some of the setup uh, cool. and uh, be able to take a peek in. Uh, I don't know the exact time frame of everything. Yeah. And quite honestly, I have no idea how loud it's going to be. But very. A little chance. It's, it's going to be very. Extremely. Cool. Is was, coming? Yeah, I was smart enough to lie to our boss so that, uh, that I'm going to be able to be out there, too. So. There's the star done. of Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 from Friday. That's Chris Reimer right there, everybody. Uh, walking behind. He's the star here at TPC Sawgrass in the Players' Championship. Well, they're telling him stay in my seat. Where to go. All right. Uh, yeah. But he was telling us some Tiger stories on Friday. Are those the chain smokers right there, Brent? They have to be, right? What, what other guys would be wearing skinny jeans with backwards hats and backpacks and, and like, plaid? Was that really them? I don't know. It might have been. I doubt it. Well, who are those? Okay. Look them right. up. We can officially say that the chain smokers were on the stream today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we want some more views, we can. <laughs> we are how, joined by the chain seriously, smokers. Seriously, how big are the chain smokers? They're oh, big. Yeah. I mean, Koos can attest to this more. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like, they're, they're, they're very big. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, mean, I set him up, he knocks him down. Koos, <laughs> like, uh, that's like. Is that your genre there on APE? Yeah, yeah. We played a lot of their songs, honestly. And then they were like they were popular before they got into like top forty. They were really uh more DJ centric and, and kinda like club music, so uh they've got a lot of songs out there. Like it's not like I haven't heard of them, but I just don't know how like are, are they I mean, one of the big things going right now. Like do you get a yeah. lot of requests for them? 
Uh, not necessarily right now. I would say about two years ago, they probably had four or five songs that were playing on Ape. Okay. But but those songs have you know they've they've lived on. You know they you go out to power, yeah. Yeah, you go out to Jacksonville Beach or you go out to Riverside and you're at some of the bars. You definitely hear them. I'm just excited to see what kind of crowd they bring in tomorrow. Yeah, because, because it's totally different. They've gone country oh, yeah, for the most for sure. part yeah. around here. So yeah. it will be an interesting crowd yep. uh, to see what uh, what they bring in. Though it's your crowd, Coos, W-A-P-E. <laughs> and that's why I'm going to be there. Yeah, there you go. You talk to them every night. Uh, so, hey, uh, let's take a timeout. We come back. we got ten questions in five minutes. A lot of them surrounded football, but not just football. Coos came up with the questions, so don't blame us. We just try to come up there's with a the good, answers. There's a good chance I can't pronounce seven of the names in these things. So. Oh, boy. Yes. Uh-oh. Here, where, Zero where, confidence. Where I like it. Uh, all right. That's coming up next. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Rolls on for the Players' Championship on a beautiful Monday. We hope to see you out here tomorrow and the rest of the week. But don't go anywhere. We'll be back talking some more football right after this. Hey, welcome back to TPC Sawgrass Players Championship, uh, day number one for us at least. And uh, this will really, we're in the middle of a streak from TPC Sawgrass. Uh, Action Sports Jacks on the road, six straight days from here at the Players Championship. Started on Friday, continues today, and uh, we'll be all over the place, all over the course over the next four days as well at different locations, including tomorrow from Military Appreciation Night, right around the 16th, 17th, 18th hole. Should be a pretty cool scene. Chain smokers will be there. Uh, tea times are out for Thursday and Friday, and obviously there are some big groups to tell you about. None include Tiger Woods. You know about that. Uh, Where's but, my uh, boy uh, Ricky Fowler at here? Uh, well, let's get to him. 835, Webb Simpson, Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson off the 10th tee on Thursday. That will be an afternoon grouping. And remember, if you're in the morning on Thursday, it means you're in the afternoon on Friday, vice versa. Uh, Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth right after. I like so that. So Webb Simpson, a champ from a couple years ago, Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, then Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth, back-to-back groups, 835 and 846 on a Thursday morning to get the Players' Championship going. Patrick Reed is in the group prior to those guys. Uh, obviously, has become a very controversial figure in golf. And you've got a bunch of Sea Island residents like Keith Mitchell and Harris English. Uh, Lanto Griffin, who I think uh, it says Virginia, but I thought he was living right here in Jacksonville. Uh, He's in the field this week as well. Russell Knox, of course, Jacksonville guy, in the field uh, once again. And made a run a couple years ago before 17 did him in. Huge field, big field, uh, biggest in golf, best in golf. Rory McIlroy, here's your other group, uh, 129 to 151. Matt Kuchar, Henrik Stenson, Sergio Garcia, Adam Scott, Justin Rose, Xander Schauffele, and then the big one, Rory McIlroy, Brooks Kepka, and John Rahm. One, two, three in the world rankings. We'll tee it up at 151 in the afternoon on Thursday, and uh, they'll go on Friday morning. So a lot of good golf to be played on Thursday and Friday. Those are some of the groupings. See, they can't be pairings because sure. they're – Three yeah. guys to a group. I'm, I'm learning like a lot. That? Yeah. How is the weight room here for Brooks Kepka? Because I'm sure he's going to be <laughs> in it before he goes out. That's a good call. Kepka's not playing well right now. Uh, in his words, Kuz would have to drop use the drop button if I said uh, what, what he you... said about his game. But, I mean, maybe a possibility. We go in the weight room a little bit, wait for him to show up and do a little uh, exclusive you ESPN 690 interview. That's a good point. You could do it. And yeah. also give him some fashion tips. 
Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm not going to do it to his face. I'll do it behind his back all day. Because the, the guy makes millions of dollars. He can do whatever he wants to. But uh, I'll, I'll talk smack about him all day behind his back. A couple of locals. Oh, there's Kepka. Oh, what did I say? Kepka was in there with Rob and No, Lori. no, you said that, but I'm, I'm saying sorry. what, yeah, but I'm yeah, saying yeah, yeah. how is the facilities, though, for the weightlifting? Yeah, no, I got you. Okay. I, I just thought I didn't even say his name. No, you did. Uh, but I did. Uh, Bud Cauley, uh, 107. Jacksonville guy playing it. Billy Horschel, 151 off the first tee on Thursday. So those guys both in the afternoon. Uh, all right. Uh, let's uh, do a little 10 questions in five minutes, Coos. What yeah. do you have? Good luck with the oh, pronunciations. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not going to go well. And also, I would like to point out, I'm, uh, I'm using your mic. I've moved into the uh, other room. And I'm just going to say we're essentially riding a boat with no uh, no one steering it right now. Well, that's kind of how we feel every day. <laughs> Hopefully there's not a waterfall coming up. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we, there will be. We have Coos, no idea. Coos, by the way, you have to, you know, uh, Nicole is your significant other. Yeah. She works out here at Team Sea Sawgrass. She's got a great golf swing. She's a good golfer. You have to spend more time around her, and you need better swing thoughts. You can't start a segment and say this swing is not thought. going to go well. <laughs> That's Listen, a bad you gotta, swing you, thought. You, you set the expectation really low. That way you can over-deliver. You, you, you're always excited. Yeah. What, what is your swing Listen, thought? You, are there swing thoughts? In the media, we don't care about over-promising and under-delivering. <laughs> Most of the time, it's better to under-promise and over-deliver. In the media, it's all about over-promising and under-delivering. Okay. We just thoughts. hope they come back for more later. I'll tell right. you, that's kind of what we are do swing every day. A thing? They are definitely uh, a thing. Why wouldn't swing thoughts be a well, thing? I don't, like, know. I don't know if there's like a hashtag swing thoughts out there. <laughs> there probably is hashtag swing okay. thoughts. But like if you're standing over a golf ball and you're sure. like, I'm going to hit this in the water, that is not a good swing thought. No. My, my swing thought is, all right, just make contact, just make contact, just make contact. <laughs> Dude, I don't even remember a swing thought. I, I just like line up and like, all right, here we go. Like, that's what I think. But like before, right. before a football game, before sure. your fight the other night, yeah. you had a swing thought. Yeah. You had a okay. thought of what how this was going to go. You had a visualization. Of and course. And my guess is even when Old Town Road played, yeah. <laughs> instead of whatever you wanted to play on Friday night when yeah. you came out, you yeah. still didn't have a negative swing thought. You thought you were going to wish. Sure. That's the point. Okay. I, we need you I, I didn't, to have a positive swing thought uh-huh. about winning this segment. But like, I'm saying, does the term swing thoughts that I've never heard before until now, it comes from golf, right? Or not? Yeah, it does, yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know if it came from baseball, too. Yeah. I don't know, but man. I think it's relatable to everything in life. I like it. You need a positive outlook. I'm going to visualize this segment being the best one that it's ever been. I'm going to yeah. add, add that to my golf game and see what happens next year. And Coos is off, off the boat. Okay. And, and Coos is in the water. Coos just hit it in the water again. I'm just, hey, I'm just hoping the shot goes straight, you Swing know? thoughts. I like that. All right, Coos. Okay. Let's go. All tee right. it up. Forget about the thought. Just tee it up. No thought. We're just gonna go. Here we come. We're gonna. <laughs> we're gonna pull an Austin and just go for it. All right. <laughs> so what, is that what you do? <laughs> All right. My first question is to Austin. Okay. So the Jets have informed cornerback Jermaine Johnson that he will be released in the coming days. Do you think the Jags should take a look? No. No. Because if I'm, if I remember correctly, his contract was insane. What they paid for him. And then the guy got benched last year by Adam Gase. And I get it, it's Adam Gase. So the guy's kind of a wild card. But, no, I think, um, you know, if you were to bring in a guy, you, you want a top corner, you want a guy you can put on the one receiver, and I don't think Johnson's even that guy anymore. You know, he didn't show that in New York. So there's no point in bringing him into Jacksonville, especially if you're confident with Trey Herndon. So I say no deal. All right, number two going to Brent. Name uh, two free agents in the NFL that you believe to be overrated. Oh, oh boy. Um, 
Whew, thank God I didn't get that one. <laughs> uh, um. <laughs> uh, here, here, you know what? If I'm being honest, I actually believe Austin Hooper and Hunter Henry are both overrated. Mm. Oh. I know that's going to disappoint a lot of people. Yeah. But I really do. Like, I am not as excited about those guys as so many other people are. Wow. I think they are the epitome of what free agency is. The risk-reward. Sure. And I think people are going to overpay, and there's no way they're going to get what they think they're getting. Uh, one, because of injuries. Maybe it's two, because of production. Three, because of fit. They both come from Matt Ryan, Phillip Rivers, offenses they've been in. That's a that's a good spot to be successful. And now they're going to go somewhere else that people need help, and it might not have been successful. Yeah. So that's what happens in free agency. You reach for that guy. And not to mention, I think the ultimate thing is health. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are they going to stay healthy? So that's why I continue to say Eric Ebron, because you're not going to break the bank for him, and it might be the similar kind of risk-reward. We've seen him do really well. We've seen him do not so well. Yeah. So okay. uh, that's uh, I, I think I'm sure there are others out there, but me, I think those two guys are a bit overrated. Hmm. Okay. And uh, Austin, I'm glad. No whammies, you, no whammies. What do we got? I was going to say, I'm, I'm glad that you were happy you didn't get that question because yes. now the question to you is name two free agents in the NFL that are underrated. <laughs> <laughs> Austin Hooper and Hunter Henry. Yes. Yeah, so, 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 so it's funny you mentioned that because you're talking about the tight end position, right? No. Maybe um, you do need to give us these let, questions before. No, no, start. it's all good. I got this. Uh, so I'm going to go. My first pick is going to be Robbie Anderson of the New York Jets. Now they might tag him, they might keep him around. But I think with Robbie, Robbie Anderson, listen, the guy's always going to be a deep threat. I think he's a very talented receiver. He's shown that in the past. He's had monster games, and he's had inconsistent games where he has like one or two catches. I think a lot of that has to do, obviously, with the offense and Sam Darnold, that quarterback. I think if you put Robbie Anderson with a fantastic quarterback who can throw that deep, accurate ball like <clears throat> Gardner Minshew, I think Robbie Anderson can actually take off and be a, you know like an all-pro type of talent. So I'm going to go Robbie Anderson. And my other underrated free agent is going to be a dude by the name of A.J. Klein, who is a linebacker out of New Orleans. A.J. Klein um, has always been praised for being great in the in the run game, um, one of the best run-stopping linebackers in the NFL. This past year, he's shown that with the New Orleans Saints that he can also uh, be very good in pass coverage and also rush the passer. So he's kind of a jack-of-all-trades outside linebacker, a very intelligent dude. And a fun fact about him, he's also a big Avid Brothers fan. I know that firsthand. So I'm going to go A.J. Klein. Wow, that is a, an, an incredible pull mm-hmm. um, by Austin. And also, he is obliterating the 30-second rule of this session. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know if it was a 30-second rule. I'm sorry. Well, it's it's rule. 10 questions in five minutes. Hey, I've, I've never played this game minutes. before. I know. Keeping, keep this, this is my first time I've played it. You're sorry. new to the show. Welcome yeah. to the show. You're welcome. Go ahead, Coos. All right, Brent, do you agree or disagree with Barry Bond's statement that he had in his interview with The Athletic the other day saying that the uh, MLB is giving him a death sentence? Love that topic, man. Uh, I saw that. And you know what? I wouldn't disagree. But I also wouldn't. I'm not sure if Barry Bonds didn't earn it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, how he's treated by MLB. My, my stance on Barry Bonds is all about the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds was kind of a jerk, uh, according to most reports and people who dealt with him. And he obviously cheated the game. And he doesn't want to admit it or whatever else, but he, he cheated the game. I still think he was an incredible player and belongs in the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. He needs to be there. He should be there. But I also don't mind if baseball doesn't put their arms around him for what he did and how he was and all that other stuff. I mean, that's, he made his own bet in that regard, but he should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame, no doubt about it. 
All right, Austin. Here's where here's where it gets a little tricky. All right, the co-main event of UFC <laughs> 248. I can't wait to hear these names. Yeah, what do you got for me? Zhang Wei Li versus Joanna. Ah, very good. Joanna. I'm sorry. Joanna who? Joanna what? Oh, I skipped the last name. So J check. Is it one of the best fights ever? Like they're claiming. Yeah, absolutely. It's not one of the best just fights in general with women. It's one of the best fights of all time simply because of the output, the pace, and the damage afflicted. If you look at Joanna, what happened to her face, man, her forehead, um, it was ridiculous how swollen up it was. I, I can't believe she was conscious, um, you know, in that fifth round. So definitely one of the best fights of all time. And, and this is what we've been waiting for with an opponent with, with Joanna, right? Because Joanna's always been uh, one of the best strikers in any weight division, and she's always outclassed a lot of the girls that she's fought. Now, Thug Rose beat her before, but that was more with jiu-jitsu and power. Joanna doesn't have the power. She has just the, the pace and the cardio. Well, then enter Jay Lee Man, who comes out and just throws bombs like Mike Tyson. It was a good stylistic matchup, and styles make fights. So definitely one of the best fights of all time. All right. Brent, FSU, the Seminoles are number four in the most recent AP Top 25 poll. Uh, they just got their first Atlantic Coast Conference regular season title in program history, and they are their highest ranked since uh, 1972. The question is, how bought into this team are you, or how high on this team are you? Yeah, you know, I love the team. I really do, and I love what Leonard Hamilton's done. I, I think they have some good veteran experience. They've been through everything. They can do a lot of different things. They can beat you in a lot of different ways. Uh they are playing really good basketball. I also think they're a beatable bunch, and it's just kind of the way the NCAA is this year. I can't get too high on Florida State because we had a question last week, will they even make mm-hmm. the Elite Eight? And, and I'm, I would bet against that right now. It's hard. It's hard to do. It all depends on matchups and consistency. But they are really good. They could win the whole thing. And just because of the nature of the NCAA this year, with not being a a dominant team or teams, and it's so wide open, they might not even make the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. I could see it both ways. But, yes, I'm high on Florida State, and okay. that's, it's an awesome accomplishment. And if you want to pencil them into your national championship game, the Final Four, the, the winner, it, I, I'd sign off on it. I think mm-hmm. there's a case to be made for it. I'm uh, just not ready to say I'm going to do it. All right, Austin, this is kind of talking back to what you guys were talking about a little bit ago with trades. Uh, Bleacher Report article titled, One Realistic Trade Every Team with the Top 5 Pick Should Consider. So for the Jags, it was with the Redskins. Uh, They would trade with the Redskins. They would get the second pick and their fourth round pick, which is number 98. The Jags would send number 9, number 20, and Jan. Um, And with the second pick, this is kind of where it went a little further, they would pick up or take Tua. So do you think it's realistic? No, I don't think it's realistic because I don't think the Jaguars are in the market for Tua. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want to throw Chase Young into that mix, I think that could be a little more realistic. But as far as the Jaguars going after Tua this year, um, I just can't see it. I get it. His hip is supposedly 100% healthy. He's mm-hmm. back working again. But you're still taking a little bit of a risk. And a risk at number two, especially at a position that you don't necessarily need quite yet with Gardner Minshew, I think it's too much capital to give up. So I say it's not very realistic at all. I'm going to legally throw my two cents in here, too. It okay. doesn't include Trent Williams or anything. Sure. So it's like it's you're mm-hmm. giving away Jan and your two first-round picks yeah. for Tua when you really right now, right at this moment, don't need a quarterback, you don't think. you mm-hmm. you want you got to figure out what you have. 
And I'm not even sure I'm that sold on Tua. So, okay, go ahead. Okay. Oh, no, that's there. all I had. Yeah. I couldn't believe Brent's, that. Brent's breaking all the rules. That's cool. I know, but I couldn't believe that didn't have Trent Williams in it, too. That's why I thought it would have. Yeah. Kind of the it scenario did. we yeah. played out earlier in the show. Yeah. All right, Brent. Uh, the Saints are placing a first-round tender on uh, Tyson Hill. So, do you believe there's a team that's uh, that will believe he's worth a first-round pick? No, I mean, Good yeah, luck. it shows a little bit of the value that they think he has, and that's a that's a risky thing to do, even for the Saints. But it's a smart move, I think, to utilize him. But mm-hmm. whether he likes it or not, he's not going anywhere mm-hmm. because nobody's given up that pick for Taysom Hill. And by the way, rightfully so, I wouldn't even touch it. Yeah. Okay, Jay, uh, Austin, JaVale McGee kind of hyped up for the Lakers, uh, said that they are the best team in the world right now after the Lakers beat the Bucks and Clippers this weekend. Yeah. Are they? No. I think Milwaukee is better. But let's be honest, though. Milwaukee, if you watched that Lakers game, which I watched a little bit after my fight, mm-hmm. wasn't in a good mood. Made me even more <laughs> upset when the Bucks got beat. Um, listen, Milwaukee's going to live and die by the three-pointer, right? When teams can go down in the paint and stop Giannis from driving, the natural instinct for him is to kick the ball out. And when Chris Middleton and other players are not making their shots, the, the Bucks are in trouble. We saw it last year with Kawhi Leonard on, on Giannis and then, you know, kicking the ball out and the Bucks not making their three-pointers. So I still think Milwaukee is the, definitely the team to beat. But the, the way LeBron James is playing right now, I think – I think the Lakers are 30-0, and 0, if I'm not mistaken, when mm-hmm. LeBron James scores over 30 points. I think the Lakers are the second-best team right now, but I'm still rolling Milwaukee just because they have the better record. Okay. And, Brent, to end it, halfway through the XFL, how do you feel about it, and is there anything the NFL should definitely take away from them? Well, it's dwindling in numbers, so it's fledgling to a degree. I still think it's good that they put in, like, last night, if you're flipping around, there was nothing on, and you could watch an XFL game if you wanted to. I looked at some of the ratings this weekend for the XFL, at least locally in Jacksonville. did like a 2.0 rating. That was similar to, say, like the Kentucky-Florida basketball game. So, uh, you know, NASCAR is crushing the XFL, sure. you know, on a Sunday afternoon in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what it's doing across the league, across the country. So I, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know where it's going to go. I'm not that into it. It's a sleepy thing for me right now. Um we get, we're an habitual, by nature, society, and we're just not into that habit yet, mm-hmm. I think, of seeing the XFL after it was gone after the first week. Uh, so I uh, I don't know if there's anything outside of the embracing the betting that the XFL has that the NFL will be like, you know what, we're going to do that too. Because yeah. we're, it's already happening, and not that they've shied away from it, but the XFL has went all in on the, on the uh, betting aspect mm-hmm. of it. And maybe the NFL says, you know what, it's not taboo to do that anymore. We'll show the over-under. We'll show who's the favorite. We'll show this. Maybe even show some prop bets here or there. Yeah. Everybody's doing it anyway. Listen, the XFL, I mean, can I put two cents in or sure, not? because that was it. Okay, I got you. Here, here's three cents then. Um, I think the XFL, they're doing a lot of great things in, in, in the standpoint of they're making it appeasing to the fans, right? Where the, if, if you watched, I think it was the Tampa Bay Vipers taking on, it was a DC, I don't know, I think it was DC or Seattle, somebody, whatever it was. But basically what happened was the refs made a mistake, they come out and they acknowledge it, and they admit that the refs made a mistake and the, the play should have been happened or whatever like that, and it should have been overturned, something of that nature. But basically they're admitting their mistakes as referees. So... In that standpoint, the reaction, obviously, on Twitter was, oh, everyone's, oh, wow, look at the XFL admitting, you know, when refs screw up and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. So, like, from that perspective, like, I think that that is a better line of football, but 
at the end of the day, it all comes down to branding, and it all comes down to the players that you watch on TV, and especially at the quarterback position. I'll be honest with you, man. I've heard of some of these quarterbacks before, but I'm not tuning in to watch, you know, they're the quarterback of the Seattle Dragons like I'm tuning in to watch the Baltimore Ravens go to work. Absolutely. Okay? And, and that's what it comes down to. Not saying it's XFL's fault. It just it is what it is. But I will say this, though, Brent. Give our boy Donald Parham a shot at NFL because that guy's been tearing it apart, yeah, man. Well. We spoke with him at the Senior Bowl, 6'8", tight end. And I'll be honest, man, for as, as tall and lanky as that dude is, he can get open. Uh, P.J. Walker it is, right? The quarterback uh Houston? Is that his name? P.J. Walker, yes, yeah. correct. Yep. He's become the, the guy yeah. in the XFL. But they need a. They could use a face of it. Mm-hmm. They could use like a stud guy, a guy with flair, a guy personality. They could use a face of that, not only a month in. Yeah. But uh, they've got to stick with this thing, and maybe it goes somewhere in the next couple of years. I think it's kind of flatlined a little bit, at least in year one uh, for now. Hey, Coos, nice job, 10 in uh, 5 or 10 in 8 or 12 minutes. Was, that yeah, it was like 24, but it's fine. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> uh, we have time to take a break, or should we just take it to the top? You might as well just take it to the top, because you got about four minutes. Okay, we've got four to minutes to go on a Monday. We, you know, listen, we, we don't need commercials. Well, yes, we want commercials. Yeah, I don't we mind them. pay the bills. Yep. Uh, by the way, uh, shout out right now to Jack's Bob. Boz, he's uh, taking my dad up to the airport. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. Give Jack's Boz a buzz. I always do, and we need him in a pinch. Okay. Does he either walk or call Jack's Boz for dad? Jack's Boz got him. What do you roll up with? What's your dad riding to the airport with? I have no idea. Okay. Uh, That's like a Rolls Royce. Rolls Royce. Even better, man. <laughs> even better. What was your dad doing in town? Just hanging out? With yeah, dad? dad was in town for a few days. Cool. Uh, saw more softball and baseball games probably than, than he, uh, was he anticipated. <laughs> yeah, sure. He wore sure. more sweatshirts and hats than he probably anticipated yeah. being in Florida. We took a picture of him. He was drinking a hot chocolate. Yep. And he had a, uh, a stocking cap on okay. at Kaylee's softball game Saturday night. I sent yeah. it to my sisters and said, welcome to Florida. <laughs> Real quick question. Apple cider or hot chocolate to keep you oh warm? Oh, gosh. Apple cider. It's not even close, chocolate. right? Oh, I thought you don't like chocolate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And apple hot chocolate's the worst, man. Yeah, yeah, I hate, yeah. I, I can't even stand the smell of hot chocolate. Have you ever had a hot toddy? Uh, what is happening right now? What? What? You don't like hot chocolate? I hate hot chocolate. Brent doesn't like chocolate. But but hot chocolate is like the go-to. You put some marshmallows in there. Oh no, dude! Apple cider all day. Hate thanks. hot chocolate. Oh. Hey, this. Let me say it again. I hate hot chocolate. Oh, I mean that's a little aggressive for my <laughs> liking. I think it's good, but I think apple cider is the way to go. Apple cider is fantastic. By the way, it's a Yukon XL, says Jacks Boz. Nice. Uh, okay. But he'll bring the Bentley out the next time. Okay, <laughs> noted. <laughs> uh, but uh, we appreciate it, Jacks Boz. Uh, hello to Dad. Thanks for coming to Dad. Uh, if they're listening to the show, which I think they are, because uh, Jacks Boz did just text me. Um, How was it? Oh, born fallen. Yeah, let's get you it. Got well, it? Yeah, Koo's kind of took it for the UFC thing, but I'll, I'll say it again, man. Ball and Joanna Jorjaychik and Wang Zali. Was that that hard, Koo's? Uh, was an instant classic to UFC 248. Um, like I said before, not just one of the best women's fights of all time, but one of the best fights in general. Did you see her forehead? I Joanna, did. Yeah. I didn't see the fight, but yeah. I saw the aftermath of it. Oh, wow. Man, yeah. Um, just he, hemotomas on tap, I guess you would say, dude. <laughs> I, I don't know what else there's to say about it. It was just, it was a gnarly fight, man. Plenty and, um, of CBD oil. Yeah, pl- plenty. <laughs> hey, just go ahead and marinate yourselves in a hot tub full of CBD, uh, Joanna. But uh, I'm a big fan of hers, man. She's definitely got that fighter's mentality, that fighter's spirit. And it was a fantastic fight. I felt like even though, um, you know, she didn't get the belt back, um, I feel like there's no, lo- there's no winners. I'm sorry, there's no losers in that fight, only winners. So, following to her. And following real quick, I got two Brent, is that cool? Yeah, go ahead. Since I've been gone for a while. Did you guys talk about uh, Johnny Buchuk? No. 
Johnny Buchuk of the New York Islanders got not one, not two, but 90 stitches on his eye as he was sliced with a hockey skate um, as the Islanders were playing the Canadians last week. Uh, I think it was on either Wednesday or Thursday. But, yeah, dude got sliced open with a hockey skate and uh, 90 stitches, Brent. That is amazing. Uh, that is something, too, by the way, that you are um, – I, I would think that's one of those things that it's hard to sleep at night, and every time you go back and think about that moment, you're like, well, that could have been even worse, believe it or not. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, that scares the heck out of me. You know, I I covered um, Brian Berard. Okay. Berard. I have the name right. Berard. Yeah, Brian Berard, uh, who got hit in the eye. Sure. Right. He was a Rhode Island guy. Okay. And so when he made it to, you remember the story? Uh, in the NHL, but he got hit with a puck in the eye. I don't know. And I don't uh, that. pretty much, you know, really hurt, ruined his career. But he was yeah. a heck of a player. Yeah. And um, just even that. But then you see some of the skate stuff in hockey. So nasty, man. Yeah, I, I I can't imagine. And just like, dude, I've cut myself before, and like, you know, it, it just it, it hurts. But dude, ninety stitches, come on. And truth be told, Ben, I'm not gonna show you here because it's not appropriate because we're at Sawgrass right now. But I have a nice little scar that goes kind of up my hamstring. I guess yeah, my hamstring up to my quad from where I got stepped on by a hockey skate really? when I was when I was a I think I was a squirt. They call that. I was, I was, yeah. a, I was a younger kid Squirts. playing hockey. Yeah, I, right. I, was, I was a squirt. A other fallen Los Angeles Rams. Now, this is just a rumor going around, but they supposedly leaked their new hat uh, for yeah. draft day uh, with their new logo. logo. And um, Jalen Ramsey pick it out? <sighs> I hope not, Jalen. I'll be so disappointed if that's the case. But let's just say swaggerless, Brent. Swaggerless on all accounts. Yeah, it doesn't look good. No, not a good look at all. We're going to change well, it if this is what it looks like. Yeah, it, it looks like, you know. But people hate new stuff. <sighs> Yeah, but... But this doesn't look good. No, I mean, listen, like, when the Jaguars logo changed, everyone's kind of like, yeah, but, I mean, it wasn't, was that really big of a deal? Like, this is kind of a big deal, I feel like, to me. Like, yeah, you're, everybody initially complains. I'm not sure everybody's going to come around on this one that this is... Jumbo funny. Shrimp, man, I didn't really complain. Well, that's right. We yeah. always say this. We talk about it. Jumbo Shrimp kind of did a good job. I mean, sure. it was pretty well received. I, I like that. But, yeah, for the most part, people have to hate on things. Well, I'm going to hate till the cows come home on this Los Angeles Rams hat. I do balling and falling in, like, 30 seconds. Okay. Uh, my balling was the Iceman. Iceman, five yep. out of six points. They need to get it going. So to stay on hockey, but five out of six points this weekend, that's really good. And they need to keep winning. They're like seven points out of that playoff spot. Uh, we'll be paying attention to them all month of March. I know you you're going to be doing it. some fun things with them. Yes, sir. And Fallen is, as we start the baseball season, some of the big names. Justin Verlander now doesn't look like he'll be ready to go for opening day. Chris Sale won't be ready to go for opening day. Look at all the Yankees guys, like Judge. And I think Stanton's back in the fold of maybe not being available, if I remember correctly. Uh, so some of these big-name guys not being able to go on opening day, I don't know if it's a big deal, uh, but you also like to see everybody out there. You know, one of the big celebrated days in baseball, it's not just the World Series, not just the All-Star Game, but opening day is a big deal in baseball, bigger than probably most other sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a real feel to it, an old-time feel to it, so you like to see some of those stars ready to go, but it won't be the case around some parts of Major League Baseball. All right, uh, that's going to do it here from a Monday at the Players' Championship. Thanks for hanging out with us, and uh, we'll be back at it tomorrow. Different location, 3 to 6 p.m. We'll see you on TV tonight. I'll be live in just a little bit, CBS 47 and Fox 30. Thanks for hanging on ESPN 690. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.